Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for coming to Barnes Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we've got uh, an interesting show, uh, one that uh, may cause some anger and also some laughs. Uh, We'll be talking about Rachel Maldow going over the deep end uh, over Donald Trump and supposedly had this huge announcement uh, yesterday about Donald Trump's taxes. Oh my gosh, we got to we we we, we got a, a, a some you know, some of his tax information, you know, uh, tax forms or what have you. Made a big huge deal out of it. And it made this little surprise thing on Twitter. And I don't know how much uh, you folks out there have watched covered of it or heard of it, but it pretty much flopped. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later. We've got a couple audio, some uh, articles we'll we'll have as well. Uh, but yeah, pretty much pretty much flopped. That she made this, this this big hoopla out of it. Now I know a lot of folks are probably uh, listening to the podcast uh, because uh, tonight uh, the show Donald Trump just happens to be on TV uh, at a rally in Nashville. But I didn't get much chance to. Uh, I didn't get any chance to see that. Maybe there'll be something we'll discuss. Uh, next week as we uh, continue uh, to try to get a few uh, guests we've been working on. Uh, but I've, I've had a project come up, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that later on in the show that came up for me. And we're not going to spend a lot of it, but we are going to have a segment uh, towards the end of the show on it, and that's losing our private schools. I just found out a couple of weeks ago uh, that there was talk about uh, merging uh, the private Catholic school that my daughter goes to. Uh, with another one now, we'll we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but let's just say that that's not something I'm just going to sit laying down. So I have been spending a lot of my time organizing uh, a group uh, to uh, combat that. And so we'll we'll talk more about that. Not just with what uh, I'm dealing with, of course, and I rarely bring any uh, personal stuff to the uh, to the show, uh, but I probably will this time because it is something that I'm just not experiencing. You know, there are others experiencing it you know, all around the country. Uh, this is happening. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but anyway, excuse me. I guess I'm getting a little bit of a call with all the, the crazy weather that's kind of been bouncing back and forth. So basically the first audio we'll have uh, of, the, of Maldow, Rachel Maldow, and of course you know uh, that she is on MSNBC. I mean, I could barely stand uh, to watch her. Uh, it just, you know, kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> she's hard to listen to. Plus, I mean, she just, you know, she's a kook. Um, and it's obvious she hates Trump. I, there was an audio I, I thought about having tonight uh, with her, you know, basically saying there's no way Trump could win. You know, one at one point she's like, even if he won all the swing states and the state of Maine, he was still going to lose. And then, of course, as we all know, in that glorious night, uh, Trump won. 
Uh, and then I was, I was just kind of reliving it all over again, you know, seeing how, you know, the, the sadness on her face and, of course, the liberals crying and, you know, the, the Hillary Clinton support, supporters crying, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and so uh, that was something to uh, to witness, and, and it was hilarious. Uh, so, but anyway, we'll uh, – I wish I would have played that audio because it was – it was quite funny seeing her, you know, seeing her reaction, and as I said, reliving, reliving that. But of course, as you know, uh, you know, she did release, uh, you know, I guess what is she didn't release, but she got something, uh, two thousand and five taxes, and we're going to make more, uh, more commentary on that uh, later on after we after I play the audio. Uh, so let's go ahead and play the first clip I've got here. Uh, now this is uh, about a ten minute clip, and. We'll hear if, you know, and then we'll make commentary, and you'll hear what you guys say uh, on those tax returns. So let's go ahead and uh, get the audio going. And then, uh, you know, we already got a couple, you know, of our panelists on the line. So if you'd like to chime in on that, we'll get you in after this clip. But here is um, Rachel Maddow on uh, Trump's tax returns. Supposedly has this guy who's uh, some kind of expert, but she'll explain you know, what his credentials supposedly are. What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year, for 2005. I believe this is the only set of the president's federal taxes that reporters have ever gotten a hold of. Uh, What we have are these two pages, front and back, from the same 1040 form that you might have filled out when you file your taxes. Um, And in terms of what's on here, let me give you the basics. Um, Aside from the numbers being large, uh, these pages are straightforward. He paid uh, $38 million, looks like $38 million in taxes. Uh, he took a big write-down of $103 million. More on that later. Uh, if you add up the lines for income, he made more than $150 million in that year. Mazel tov. Uh, we got these pages. We got this document today from a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist who's better on financial matters than almost anybody else in the business. His name is David K. Johnston. Uh, These pages turned up the other day in his mailbox. David will join us live here in just a moment. Um, But because nobody has had the president's taxes before, we didn't know what to expect. Um, When we showed this 2005 return to the White House to ask him if it's real, uh, we sent this over to the White House tonight, and the White House responded basically with, yep, Uh, I'm going to read you the, the White House statement on this tonight. Quote, before being elected president, Mr. Trump was one of the most successful businessmen in the world, with the responsibility to his company, his family, and his employees to pay no more tax than legally required. That being said, Mr. Trump paid $38 million, even after taking into account large-scale depreciation for construction on an income of more than $150 million, as well as paying tens of millions of dollars in other taxes, such as sales and excise taxes and employment taxes. And this illegally published return proves just that. Despite the substantial income figure and tax paid, it is totally illegal to steal and publish tax returns. The dishonest media can continue to make this part of their agenda, while the president will focus on his, which includes tax reform that will benefit all Americans. White House statement for tonight. For the record, the First Amendment gives us the right to publish this return. It is not illegally published. Nor are we fake. Pinch me. I'm real. But good on the White House. Uh, for acknowledging the return um, as proof of what the president made and paid that year. Uh, Here's the thing, though. 
a full tax return for someone like Donald Trump would be a lot longer than the two pages that we have here. There are all kinds of schedules and notes and attachments that could be involved, all containing information about the president and his money. Why will he not release his taxes, his full taxes, the way other presidents have done? Why not let the public see the information for themselves? We have obtained this, but this is all we've got. This tells us something, but he still has disclosed uh, certainly willingly disclosed nothing compared to all other modern presidents. Joining us now is David K. Johnston. He's editor and founder of DCReport.org, which has posted this document as of a few minutes ago. He's also the author of The Making of Donald Trump and the Pulitzer Prize-winning financial reporter uh, who found the president's 2005 tax returns in his mailbox. David, thank you for being here. Delighted. Um, first of all, congratulations on this, this scoop. What can you tell us about how how you got these pages, how you got this document. Same in the mail over the transom. And there is absolutely nothing improper about journalists, if you haven't solicited something, uh, getting it over the transom. And by the way, let me point out, it's entirely possible that Donald sent this to me. Donald Trump has, over the years, leaked all sorts of things. The uh, very sleazy girl-on-girl -girl pictures of the First Lady in the New York Post may have come from Donald. The uh, front pages of the state tax returns that we had uh, that were sent to the New York Times and the New York Daily News last fall may have come from Donald. Donald has a long history of leaking material about himself when he thinks it's in his interests. Um, do you believe, do we have reason to believe that those documents that you just described there were leaked by him, or is it just a possibility? It, it's a possibility, and it, it could have been leaked by someone in his direction. Mm -hmm. But with Donald, you know, you never know. Donald creates his own reality, and uh, he, he says things that aren't true. He says things and then denies he said them. He lives in this world that isn't the world of you and, where you and I live of verifiable facts. So, yes, I think I have to include that in the list of possibilities of where it came from. Mm -hmm. When you look at this document, when you look at these, uh, these numbers, obviously we don't have the supporting uh, schedules and sort of appendices right. that you get in, in big tax returns. Um, do these numbers seem right to you? Obviously the White House statement to us is, is reiterating the $150 million income number and the $38 million paid number. Those, all those numbers seem right to you? Yes, and, and uh, they fit the things we know from other public records about how Donald does business. For example, the dividends that he gets are primarily not what are called qualified dividends that suggest they come from not big companies like ExxonMobil, but uh, privately held enterprises. Uh, they show almost no tax-exempt interest, about $49,000. That would imply at the time maybe $900,000 of municipal bonds. Not much. I mean, there are lots of college professors out there my age who have $900,000 in municipal bonds. Um, what's most important about this tax return, though, Rachel, is that under the regular tax system, remember we have two tax systems, well-to-do people, you and I, file effectively calculate our tax twice, the regular tax system and the alternative minimum tax. If we didn't have the alternative minimum tax and Donald Trump in writing wants to end the alternative minimum tax, he would have paid taxes at a lower rate than the bottom half of taxpayers, the poor in this country who make less than $33,000. Now think about that, on $153 million almost of income, he would have paid a little over $5 million, less than 3.5%, less than the half of taxpayers who make under $33,000. As it is, because of the alternative minimum tax, he paid $36.5 million, not the 38 the White House statement says. They're counting his self-employment tax, which is uh, payroll taxes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, uh, $36.5 million, he paid 24%. You know who pays 24% in this country? Married couples with two incomes, like my wife and I, who make about $400,000 a year. Donald Trump and his wife that year made $418,000 a day. And the point of this is the top in this country, people at the top, are not burdened the way we suggest. I was in... Uh, let me, let me stop, let me stop yeah. you and let me restate some of that back to you because sure. you're a tax expert and those of us who just pay taxes and aren't experts in them, I want to say it back to you and you tell me if I'm getting it right. If there weren't something called the alternative minimum tax, you can tell from, these, from this 1040, from these two pages from his tax return in 2005, if there weren't an alternative minimum tax, he'd be paying what percent? It's right on line 44. He would have paid $5.3 million, which is 24% of his $152.7 million of positive income. Um, and that's in large part because he was able to say he had negative income of $103 million. Okay. So because he paid, because there is an alternative minimum tax. They disregarded most of the negative income. Yeah. He had to pay taxes, he had to pay more in taxes, but he still got a benefit. You know why? Because at the top, people are supposed to be paying 35% that year, 39.6% this year. Ah. But if you're in the alternative minimum tax, you only pay 28%. Okay. That's a 20% discount on your taxes. Would you like to get a 20% discount on your taxes? That's what Donald Trump got here. So the issue that, I mean, I, I tried to lay out at the top of the show reasons why people are so interested in his tax returns. The White House has made this issue and saying it's only reporters who care. People don't care. This was litigated in the election when he didn't release his tax returns and people voted for him anyway. There are a number of reasons to be interested in his tax returns. And I think a number of reasons why people continue and, to be. And most importantly, what we don't have here, which is this describes the types of income but not the sources. Okay, so That's what we need to know. We need Who to, is the president getting money from? Well, we need to know, A, sources of his income, whether or not he's beholden to somebody. We also need to know whether all the things he said about himself and his wealth uh, and his charitableness and all those things are true. But we also need to know if he is going to take actions as president in terms of tax policy that are going to benefit him. And you're or saying, benefit his benefactors. Yes. Yes, I mean, it's a very complicated, tangled issue. I mean, here's a simple question to ask. Every other president's released their returns. We have uh, Hillary Clinton's and Bill Clinton's returns back to the 1970s. Why is it that Donald Trump is so insistent that we're not to see his tax returns? What, there must be something uh, hiding in his returns. You know, I've been at this for 50 years. I started as a teenager doing investigative reporting. And every time some high-level politician wants to hide something, it always turns out there's a reason. They've got something to hide. Um, I have I, lots of things we can think of that Donald Trump has to hide. Uh, including sources of income and his connections to the Russian oligarchs, who are essentially, Rachel, a state-sponsored network of international criminals. And you've got to think about it in that way and understand that's their position in the world. And Donald Trump really is desperate that we don't see where his money comes from. And this is a man who we know was very deeply involved with one of the biggest drug kingpins in America in the 1980s. He risked his casino license just to show his loyalty to that man. He did business with the biggest mobsters in New York. For years, he traveled with a, uh, the son of the head of the reputed Russian mob boss, himself a twice convicted felon. He says, I wouldn't know if he was in the room, even though they were together all the time traveling. And many other criminals he has associated with throughout his life. So it's particularly relevant for us to say, where'd you get the money? 
David K. Johnston is the editor and founder of DCReport.org. He is the one who obtained this Donald Trump tax return 2005. David, can you stay with us for a moment? Sure. We're going to bring my colleague Chris Hayes into this discussion. I want to get back to this issue about the sources of Trump's money and also the source of this document tonight. We have uh, published this 2005 tax return from the president uh, on mattoblog.com. We've also linked to David K. Johnson's extensive reporting on this on DCReport.org. Uh, David's back with us in a moment. Stay with us. And who cares about those websites? And Susan will get you into the uh, into the show. Excuse me, I just think I got something in my throat. I just can't seem to get rid of. And so anyway, so they made a big deal. Remember, <laughs> this is a tax return from 2005. So we're talking about something from 12 years ago. Uh, so that's, you know, that in and of itself is like, mm, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, so they were talking about Trump could have sent them. And, you know, even some conservative uh, talk shows were mentioning, you know, something about that. Is it a possibility? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, but it does show that, hello, I paid $38 million in taxes, you know, and so that's, what, 25% in taxes? I mean, how much tax do you think uh, someone's got to pay? Now, for me – if I had an opportunity to pay less taxes and write things off and, and not pay so much, guess what? I'd do it. And the thing is, it's legal. So they're trying to get people all hyped up about how much he pays compared to other people when it's like, you know, percentage-wise, not dollar amount. I mean, we none of us probably could probably combine all of us on the show, <laughs> even with the podcast, and probably not pay as much. Uh, in taxes in one year as Donald Trump has. Now, of course, we probably haven't made as much as the same amount of money either. But the fact is, is that what they're trying to get people, you know, hyped up that, oh, my gosh, he's paid so, he's a, a lesser percentage of, you know, trying to get people to get angry, people get jealous, and, you know, and they try to use the jealousy angle on that. But but be that it was made, I mean, the guy made $38 uh, million in taxes, and I want to know why a professor or his wife, I'd like to know how much money she makes. Because he said, oh, yeah, we make $400,000 a year. You're a professor? And let's say they each make 50-50. Let's just say they both make the same amount of money. He's a professor. He makes $200,000 a year. Where the hell does he go to school? Where, where does he teach? $200,000 a year for, for a professor? No, I'm not saying he, he could make less than that. His wife could very well make more money than he does. I don't know because that wasn't disclosed. But let's just, for argument's sake, say that, you know, they make an equal amount. And heck, he may even make more than her. We don't know. We don't know what she does. I don't even know his wife's name. But but even so, you know, $400,000, you know, the president of the United States makes a little bit of salary now, of course, person, everything like that, much, much more. But salary-wise, you know, the president of the United States, you know, it makes it to like, what, $416 million? Uh, I'm sorry, 1000 or salary or something of that nature. I have to look that up. You know, so, I mean, that, that just kind of, like, uh, rubbed the wrong way. Now, one of the things they talked about, and, and we'll, you know, some people may not be as familiar with, is what's called the alternative minimum tax. And what the alternative minimum tax is, I've, I've got here, uh, and I've got a link on Barnes Logic, uh, the Facebook page. And so check us out, like the page out there. Uh, all you got to do is, if, if you're not already there, uh, go to the search engine there on Facebook. Just type in Bars Logic Political Talk, and it'll get you to uh, the page. I uh, like the page, and I also have a link on the page uh, where you could get the uh, more information here. I'll put Wikipedia 
just kind of a quick reference uh, Wikipedia for um, alternative uh, minimum tax. What that is for people who don't know, I'll just read it off here uh, because I'm not as familiar too as I'd always like to learn more about it. It says the alternative minimum tax is a supplemental income tax imposed by the United States federal government required in addition to baseline income tax for certain individuals, corporations, estates, and trusts that have exemptions or special circumstances allowing for lower payments of standard income tax. Uh, AMT is imposed at a nearly flat rate on an adjusted amount of taxable income above a certain threshold, also known as exemption. This exemption is substantially higher than the exemption from regular income tax. Regular taxable income is adjusted for certain items uh, computed differently for AMT, such as depreciation and as depreciation, and I mentioned that, and medical expenses. No deduction is allowed for state taxes or miscellaneous itemized deductions for computing alternative minimum tax. Pairs with incomes above the exemption whose regular federal income tax is below the amount of uh, alternative minimum tax must pay the higher uh, must pay the higher AMT tax. Uh, the predecessor minimum tax enacted in 1969 imposed an additional tax on certain tax benefits for taxpayers. The present uh, alternative minimum tax was enacted in 1982 and limits benefits. I'm sorry, limits tax benefits from a variety of deductions. On January 2013, President Barack Obama signed the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2012, which indexes to inflation the income threshold for being subject to the tax. And I'm not going to go through, you know, the whole, you know, article that they have here, you know, they're on wiki, on Wikipedia. I mean, it's quite large. It'll take quite a long time and probably would bore you to death. Uh, so we're not going to do that, but de- definitely check that out to learn more about the uh, adjust. Oh, I'm sorry. I almost forgot the name of it uh, for the alternative minimum tax. So you can find a link there. Uh, on the Bard's Logic Political Talk page, uh, where you can look and find out more about that. And so, uh, moving on, uh, as I said, we'll get uh, the folks in the line. Uh, Susan, I, I got you on. I see other folks, but push the one on your number dial uh, when you're ready to get in. Um, and of course, you know, another thing they wanted to point out is, well, of course, now they want to start making those links. And we've got another audio that we'll play later. Uh, and then I've also got an article here. But anyway, uh, where they're trying to make links of the source of his income. And, of course, you know, they're trying to say that a lot of the money he got from uh, the Russians. They're always trying to make some kind of Russian and, and you know, banks and saying how they're criminals. And, and that's how they just throw out these statements without, you know, oh, Trump hung out with all these criminals and things of that nature. With, you know, those type of statements without having any kind of proof to back it up. That's something that uh, I would like, you know, you know, like to see. And we always want the, the truth, but they just throw these accusations out without not, you know, seeing any proof. So where are the, uh, where's the proof of, of him, you know, hanging out with these types of people? Now, of course, remember he said, oh well, you know, he's doing the travel with them. Well, remember what they said about, uh, I believe Flynn, or I'm sorry, Sessions, when they talked about, you know, him being uh, around uh, that Russian ambassador. Well, he, there a lot of folks in Washington D.C., you know, have been in the same room or had discussions with the Russian ambassadors because you're in close proximity 
uh, doesn't mean that, you know, you're on a one-on-one conversation with them or in cahoots with them or whatever they're trying to, you know, allude to. Uh, so I haven't seen any anything, but that's what they're they're trying to do. They keep trying to, you know, link this, this Russian uh, link. And then it's, I find it interesting that uh, in another audio I listened to, I don't know if I, I have it here for tonight, uh, but they're talking about, you know, the Russian economy and how it's like half of, you know, it's got twice the population of France, but it has, you know, it's half the economy, you know, of France. And, you know, so I don't know what they're worried about the, the Russian economy if it's not even, half, you know, half of France's. Uh, but it's, so who knows how accurate that is. But let's go ahead, and I've ranted enough here. We're almost at the bottom of the hour. So let's go ahead and do this a little early, uh, and then we'll go ahead and bring in Susan. And, of course, what I am referring to is to hear from our friends at the Patriot Journalist Network, and let's go ahead and hear from them. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. PatriotJournalist.com. And let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, uh, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hi. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, sorry, but hey, I'm alive. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what's going I, on, Susan? Well, I found this article. Um, it was by... Oh boy, what does it say? <laughs> the Horn News, um, and they said that <clears throat> the document, the guy that brought it forward, has a secret past that damages his credibility. Um, he has forced to retract an article he wrote due to misinterpretation of a financial document about News Corp, C-O-R-P, I suppose that means corporation. He said they made nearly $5 billion in income tax refunds, which has proved to be fake. So they want to know if the tax returns that he supposedly found in his mailbox are fake also. And um, he has had problems in the past. Now, the White House saying the information was illegal. I I don't even know if I even fight on that. I, I might check it out. I'd be more willing to prove that it could be fake. The guy is lying. So, um, but they're saying it's a the release or publishing of federal tax returns is a criminal offense. So I don't know, but I do know that this guy, the first thing to attack is whether he's even uh, for real or not. You know, if he just made something up or I don't know for how, and I don't know how he would have gotten his hands on it, but. Um, this was in 2011 when he misreported on a financial issue. So it wasn't five years ago. So um, this guy is very, very questionable, and that's what they really need to investigate is his um, credibility, whether he's, you know, he's done all this before, uh, taking stuff and doing stuff. 
And <clears throat> I have another note, just in case any of you didn't know. Um, I haven't been on the computer. There's just so much going on. And um, uh, because he has written about the violent opposition of Donald Trump, he's written this book, uh, launched a new book. Uh, what's the name of the new book? Uh, Trump War, His Battle for America. It was launched Tuesday. Michael Savage was attacked physically uh, at a San Francisco Bay Area restaurant. They kicked his little dog and uh, went after him, and uh, he was bloodied up. And uh, they're going to go after him for uh, state crime politically, you know, but because of Michael's political views. So I just thought you want to know that. That's pretty sad. A reporter is walking out with bags of food in his hand and attack his dog and then him. So I thought you'd want to know that. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Savage is attacking yeah. between Donald Trump. Uh, what, what do you say about this world and people in it sometimes? Uh, I, I tell you what, it, it's... I, it's... <sighs> You know, it's just been so crazy since Trump's gotten off of some of the things to do. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's like, won't, don't people realize that, you know, Donald Trump, get, you know, it's, it's because of the media. I mean, people need to realize that Donald Trump getting in is, is a good thing uh, for for the very fact that he's not a politician. I mean, it, it just surprises me. It just amazes me still that people don't realize that. You know, we've we've got someone in there who's finally not been a career politician for for so many years. You know, and you would think people would be like, no, obviously he's not one of us, so to speak, but he's not a part of the political class. You know, I mean, you would think they'd be, you know, they'd be kind of tired of that. <laughs> you know, but uh, apparently not. You know, a lot of people still, but of course, you know, it's the media, and I know a lot of good people who. Uh, are literally afraid of Trump because all they do, unfortunately, is, is listen to people like Ra- Rachel Maddow. I had a good friend. I said, hey, because I haven't heard from him in a long time, and I'm starting to think it's because of my support for Trump. And and his, and his wife, she unfriended me on Facebook. And I'm thinking, you know, about a friendship. But, I mean, and I think I might have offended him because he's a college professor. And I said, you know, I said to him, I said, if, you know, if all you, if, if all I watched, you know, was, you know, the MSNBC, CNN, uh, C-SPAN, NPR, not C-SPAN, NPR, you know, MSNBC, you know, things of that nature, you know, I, I think I'd be concerned about Trump too. And I said, how about, you know, broadening? Uh, yeah, I'm paraphrasing here. I mean, I could probably pull up exactly what I said, uh, exactly what I said to him, uh, and I didn't get a response. You know, let's see if I can, you know, I'm going to see if I can pull, I mean, I was such a long time ago, and I'm going to know if I can even find that, you know, find that, uh, that conversation with them. But, you know, I'm like, you know, I mean, if, so if people, that's all they do is, is uh, pay attention, you know, to, to those type of folks. I mean, I understand why they are. I mean, I know people who are literally, as I said, literally fearful, <laughs> you know. I mean, I did have a lady at work who's like, you know, she's broken in the hives and things of that nature from, you know, being concerned about Donald Trump, uh, you know, being president. I'm like, man, that's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be, to be that, but I mean, it's because of all the stuff that they're, they're hearing in the media. I mean, it's, it's, that's what's making them, 
you know, so afraid. I mean, you've got some really, as I said, really intelligent people who, uh, you know, that's all they watch. You know, I think that's all they want. Um, you know, it's all they watch from people. And I'm trying to find that, uh, you know, what I said to them. But I think, I mean, this is something back in, I guess, I know it's just been a long time. But anyway, maybe I'll just uh, look, look, look at some other time. I mean, we're talking back in probably November, you know, maybe even October. And, and it's a shame. But, yeah, I mean, well, what's going on is it's just it's unbelievable. Yep. So what I've got here, is, uh, we're on the bottom now. I do got uh, an article here uh, that uh, says Rachel Maldow, and this is about the tax portion uh, of it. It says here's Rachel Maldow overpromises, under under delivers on Trump tax story. Now this is uh, from the Arizental or azcentral.com. So I guess this is from Arizona, and uh, and this is telling too because it says I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, listen to this. I am a fan of MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, but on Tuesday she overpromised and underdelivered on a story about President Donald Trump's tax returns. Those returns, of course, are at the moment the holy grail of political reporting. While Trump is under no legal obligation to do so, other candidates have released the returns as a matter of course. Trump's refusal to do so raises all sorts of conspiracy theories. What could be found there? Ties to Russia, who he owes what, maybe he's not as rich as he claims, as you guys heard all those questions from that uh, that video or audio. Tuesday afternoon, Maddow, who hosts the Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC, tweeted, breaking, we've got Trump's tax returns tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. And that was a tweet. I'm even looking at the tweet. Okay. It says, the Internet, in its usual fashion, lost its collective mind. Finally, we're going to get to the bottom of this, the real story, the follow the money trail that will explain everything and prove that Trump is a puppet of, oh, wait a second. Less than an hour later, Maddow follow up with this tweet. We've, uh, what we've got is from 2005, the president's 1040 form, details to come tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time, MSNBC. Well, that's a different kettle of fish entirely, like buying a Led Zeppelin album of the band's greatest hits and finding out it's some inferior live recording, huh? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, when he the had show one aired, tax return. Yeah, well, it was 2005. All they had was two pages of his uh, of his 1040. That's all they had. Uh, it said uh, when the show aired, Maldock turned her sweet uh, took her sweet time to the meat of the story, such as it was. Again, social media went nuts, but this wasn't really Maldock's fault. You may think she's some kind of liberal communist lefty, and she may well be, but she doesn't do her show for her for free. Her job, and MSNBC's job, is to keep you watching for as long as possible. So she really was pushing the limits with an overlong entrail. When she got down to the brass tax, it was indeed two pages of Trump's 2005 tax form delivered to report David J. Johnson by an anonymous source. The reveal that the president paid $38 million in taxes on an income of more than $150 million, trying to beat Maddow to the punch. The White House released a statement saying that making the return uh, public was illegal. Uh, and, and that's something we definitely we want to explore. Maybe uh, Kelly could tell us more about that. 
uh, Johnson appeared on the show and talked about the returns and how he got them. They just thought that perhaps you guys heard on the audio, uh, Trump had sent them to Johnson. He says, again, I'm a fan of Maddow's. She does good work, and I think there's, been a, there's a story here somewhere. Trump should release his taxes from the last five years, and the only people who disagreed are blindly partisan and would go anything he says or does. I guess that's us. And their name is Legion. Yeah, I guess I guess that's my name's Robert, by the way, pal. Uh, he's continuing to do so. Not raises all kinds of blah, blah 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 blah. Says I said I think MSNBC rushed into the story when they could have taken more time and done a better, more thorough job. I certainly don't think they should have bragged. We have Trump's tax returns, and when they did, well, sort of, it was a best misleading tease. Uh, why are you okay? Never mind. That's something else here. But yeah, I find it kind of kind of funny. Uh, you know that, that that we got that. Uh, <laughs> this is somebody who actually likes her show. Now, me, of course. I mean, I force myself to watch it uh, <laughs> when I have to. Um, just you know, well, for for things like tonight. But uh, even even worse, I think than the than the taxes is what she's trying to do in this next clip uh, that I've got. Now, but first, uh, did you want to make any comments on that article? Uh, did you want to make any comments uh, on that article, Susan, before I play that out of the audience? Yeah. Uh, well, it's not exactly her article, but it probably goes along with it. This guy wrote this, and it's entitled, Rachel Maddow has orgasm over 11-year-old tax return. Okay, I know we're not after dark. Uh, but um, <laughs> he, he said it may cross the okay, uh, We can always talk about orgasms here. No, go ahead. <laughs> In the middle of the night at Rich Liberal Congress, Democrats wrote much of the tax code that allowed the nefarious Mr. Trump to take the legal tax deductions he claimed. Even the boobs at CNN were laughing at her. If we all get tonight, if all we get tonight is that Donald Trump paid $38 million in America's government, that's a good night for Donald Trump. I'm sorry, Joe Van Jones, host of CNN and the Messy Truth. I was hoping you paid the show. Not only did he pay, the, he paid no taxes, he actually charged. Charged the government and got the money back. I wanted something I could get excited about. The rest of the panel laughed. So she's a joke even amongst uh, the boobs, as they put it, at CNN. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. Thank you very much for that, uh, uh, Susan. That's awesome. Yeah, if you could send that to me uh, in, in a message, that would be great. Did I tell you what? Uh, oh, okay. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love it. But, you know, Van Jones, he's been kind of surprised me every once in a while. You know, you know, I mean, like after uh, his speech, uh, after Trump's speech, and he said, yeah, you know, he became president of the United States tonight. Now, I was kind of shocked to hear that because he's the same guy he said. And, and I think he's right, to be honest, when Van Jones said Donald Trump got elected by white lash. And you know what? I don't find a problem with that. Now, of course, that might sound racist because, yeah, guess what? I'm white. But you know what? What the politicians need to realize, and I think they might be a little bit, is that as much as they would hate to admit it, in my opinion, and again, this is going to sound racist, but it's not, you know, Caucasians are still the majority of this country, but yet we're treated as if we're not. You know, that, that, that can, you know that's what kind of drives me nuts, is we're treated as if we're not the majority. And I think that, you know, people stood up and said, hey, you know, I'm not saying I'm a white supremacist, but I'm, you know, and I'm not. But what I'm saying is that, you know, you know, you want to talk about the, anybody who's discriminated against anymore. I wouldn't, you know, it's us. <laughs> so 
So anyway, I won't belabor that point. And then because we only got 20 minutes, and then I want to move over to our next uh, our next topic, and that's about uh, Trump uh, re um, you know firing his attorneys, which is great, and in my opinion, it's about time uh, that he did that. Uh, so I'm glad to have uh, to seen that. And so let's see, what's this? Um, okay, good. And so let me go ahead and ahead, and this is I think this is even more what they're doing here uh, is even more insidious. Then, uh, did you just send me that uh, chat message? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's a whole article. Just... I'll send you the part that that was okay. actually that paragraph. Yeah. Someone try to. Someone sent me something on Facebook, and I think they're trying to get me to click on something to get a get a virus on my computer. So I had to get rid of that. Oh. Uh, but anyway, no. So yeah, you did just okay because I, I see someone just sent me a message. Um, and I want to see if that was you or someone else because as people know I do get messages uh you know during the show. Uh but anyway, so here let's go ahead and hear this audio and I definitely want to hear from uh folks on that. And so I do see other people on the line for the one on your number dial we'll get you in if you want to be a part of the show. But let's go ahead and hear about uh you know, the, her attempts to Link Trump to uh, to Russia. The federal government, they're going after Deutsche Bank on this too. And when the feds get you, that's when things can really start to add up. For example, Deutsche Bank got nailed just in December for a totally different thing. Deutsche Bank got nailed in December by the feds for their shady illegal mortgage practices that led up to the financial collapse in this country. And the fine there, the deal with the feds, it was not some millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars or even hundreds of millions of dollars. Their fine there was a $7 billion fine, billion with a B. That was for their mortgage scheme. On that Russian money, money laundering scheme that Deutsche Bank already got caught for, the state part of it might be settled for $630 million, but the federal case is still open, still being pursued by the feds. And you know who's been pursuing the federal case against Deutsche Bank? Preet Bharara, who was just fired as the federal prosecutor in New York when the Trump Justice Department moved suddenly and without warning to remove all the U.S. attorneys around the country on Friday, uh, including Preet Bharara, even though both President Trump himself and Attorney General Jeff Sessions himself had previously told Preet Bharara he could stay on the job. And we reported on, on Friday night you know, that, that other presidents have replaced lots of U.S. attorneys or all the U.S. attorneys before. But nobody has ever fired all the U.S. attorneys the way the Trump folks did on Friday night. Called them in the afternoon on Friday, told all the U.S. attorneys, all without warning, that they were all fired immediately. They needed their desks cleaned out and they needed their keys turned in by midnight. Get out. It's never happened like that before. Why the rush? And why Preet Bharara? Why is he included after you'd given him a personal assurance that he was staying on? That federal investigation into Russian money laundering by Deutsche Bank, that's one of any number of open investigations uh, in the Justice Department that has just had a wrench thrown in those works by those sudden firings of all the U.S. attorneys on Friday. But looking at the pre firing, looking at this, 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 this shock to the justice system that the, administ the Trump administration just levied, Deutsche Bank is a particularly sensitive subject. Deutsche Bank is a particularly sensitive subject of investigation for this president for a couple of reasons. 
Uh, first of all, the former chairman of Deutsche Bank, uh, he left in the middle of all this scandal at his bank. He ended up landing very softly, though, at the Bank of Cyprus. Bank of Cyprus is itself a bank that has been in lots of hot water for Russian money laundering accusations. The Ch Deutsche Bank chairman was installed as chairman of the Bank of Cyprus uh, by the major shareholders of the Bank of Cyprus. Major shareholders of the Bank of Cyprus include this Russian oligarch. They call him the king of fertilizer. He's now becoming famous in this country for having inexplicably paid Donald Trump $95 million for a single house. It's the single largest price ever paid for a house in the United States. He paid Donald Trump $95 million for that property, even though Trump himself had only paid $41 million for it a few years earlier. Why did a Russian oligarch pay Donald Trump over $50 million over and above what Trump had paid for that property? We still don't know. The king of fertilizer reportedly never set foot in the property. He certainly never lived there. He has since torn it down. But Donald Trump pocketed over $50 million in that one sale with that Russian oligarch, who's a major shareholder in the Bank of Cyprus, which has been done and held up on Russian money laundering allegations uh, over the years and now. Um, in terms of the Bank of Cyprus, uh, there is, and it's, again, they're trying to link uh, Trump with the Russians, trying to link them, you know, to, to you know to the mob, to uh, this guy who bought, you know, from my understanding, they, uh, I think he bought that house back in 2006, and so or, or, or something of that nature, 2007, and you know, of course, one of the they're talking about, you know, Trump uh, peddling, you know, influence, and on Sean Hannity last night. You know, he was saying, you know, oh, yeah, so what they're trying to contend, no, you didn't hear it here. And I tried to find an audio on that with, with what Sean was talking about last night on his show, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, and frankly, as I said earlier, I've, I've been spending a lot of time what we're going to talk about in our last segment tonight, and that's about uh, losing our private uh, schools. And that's something I want to talk about in the last uh, in the last hour. And I think this audio is also, uh, you know, a good segue to our our next segment as well uh, on the firings, you know, because it's a, such a big hoopla. But anyway, is that, you know, they're trying, what, what Sean was saying was that, you know, what they were trying to contend was that somehow they knew that, you know, President Trump was going to be, you know, president, I mean, president, well, he wasn't president at the time, but that Trump was going to be president someday. And so they wanted to do some dealings with them so that they can hold something over Trump or, or Trump will owe them one or, or something of that nature. Um, you know, with with that deal with selling that, you know, selling that home, you know, and, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, do more digging, whether you listen to the show uh, tonight live or through the podcast, and you find some information, just, uh, you know, send me a message through uh, the Bars Logic Political Talk uh, website. Uh, there's the contact page. You can contact me, uh, me there. And so, uh, you know, check that out as well. So where's... um. But also, since we're on uh, we're, we're on taxes, I do have uh, one, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about the firings in a little bit. But also, we've got and this is something you can find on the Bard's Logic Political Talks uh, newsroom, and you can find more articles. But there's one you can find on there uh, article. And once it, I'm getting loaded, it says the place for tax woes. Nine MSNBC personalities 
had tax liens filed against them. So if they want to have uh, taxes that maybe come to the fore, listen to this. It says, and again, you can find artic- this article uh, and other articles uh, on the Barnes Logic Political Talk uh, webpage on the newsroom page. It says, uh, MSNBC hosts have a tax problem. A heat street review of public records show that a total of six current prominent MSNBC pundits have recently settled federal or state tax liens while one still has tax problems. Moreover, at least two other hosts who recently left the network have also had massive tax liens filed against them. MSNBC declined to comment, and none of the current or former tax debtors responded to any request for interviews sent through an MSNBC spokesperson. The Reverend Al Sharpton, MSNBC's Sunday morning host, easily comes in first place when it comes to issues with the tax man. He has various entities, including several dissolved by New York for failure to pay taxes, currently owe about $1.5 million in state and federal taxes, interest, and penalties, according to public records. It's a staggering sum, but some uh, – I'm sorry, it's a staggering sum, but down substantially from the $4.5 million and outstanding tax liens tallied by the New York Times two years ago. Sharpton has repeatedly said he's worked out agreements with authorities to settle his tax debt, and a source close to him says he's been paying it down aggressively, aware of how it may affect his legacy. The reverend has repeatedly called publicly for the wealthy to pay their fair share of taxes. Several other prominent MSN talking heads have settled their tax debt only after liens were filed. In January 2016, New York filed a lien for more than $2,500 and back taxes against an MSNBC daytime anchor, Craig Melvin, which he didn't settle until the final weeks of the year. It's not the first time Melvin, excuse me, Melvin has run into tax problems. In 2010, South Carolina, where he used to anchor local news, filed a tax warrant against him for more than $3,300, which has uh, since been resolved. Melvin, I hate when they use pop, give me pop-ups. Anyway, it says Melvin also run into other financial problems with Discover Bank taking him to court in 2005 over a $3,200 debt. Come on, I these people make good money. Anyway, Melvin has spoken out on air and on social media about the need for the wealthy to pay more taxes. And here's a tweet from – you know, I, I, I'll say it again. Twitter, I'm telling you what, Twitter is incredible. I need to do more with it because I have never seen any more articles than, than, than this past election. Seriously, than this past election that contained tweets from people. I mean, that's like the new thing, right? That, oh, someone tweeted, now, you know, it's on these articles. But anyway – because it well, it's a good thing to capture, and you can't say anything without someone capturing it. So it'll be interesting to wonder if I put any tweets out there uh, that people someday will find an article, which eh, I guess that'd be cool, depending on which one they put on. But anyway, uh, there's a a tweet from uh, Craig Melvin: uh, Should peeps earning a million dollars or more a year pay more income taxes than those making less? Would a millionaire's tax help the economy? Melvin is joined by Chris Matthews. I did that on purpose. Chris Matthews, last summer, Maryland took out a lien against the hardball host 
and his wife for nearly $4,000 before Matthews paid up. And c- come on, this should be chump change for these people, right? But anyway, Chris Matthews, congrats to Eric Ebenezer Cantor for starving people on food stamps. Hell of a victory for the 1%. And also, uh, Obama has rung the business, Chris Matthews, tweet. Obama has rung the bell. The campaign's on. He's asking the American people to say they want a fair tax burden. Gutsy move. <laughs> Joy Ann Reed also recently settled a New York tax lien for nearly $5,000 filed against her in 2015. Both Matthews and Reed have repeatedly held forth, uh, held forth about tax policy, including together on the same TV segment. In 2012, for example, Matthews said that the key element – of a political battle between John Boehner and Barack Obama was there that there be tax fairness. The top, the people at the top who now get a tax break of about five percent should not get that anymore because they don't need it. Uh, right, absolutely, Reed replied. Later in the same interview, she mentioned how it was very important to Obama's base that he get those rates up. <clears throat> excuse me, on the top earners. That's what was he promised. More recently, Reed said the taxation of the wealthy comes down to basic fairness argument. And then, you know what, folks, I'm going to digress off the argument and make a point. And you hear that, you, seriously, you always hear all the time, we're going off subject just a little bit, but you hear all the time the left saying the rich got to pay their fair share, the rich got to say pay their fair share. But then when Trump comes out and says that the members of the NATO countries need to pay their fair share for their defense, paid for by us, right, and protected by us, the United States. And when Trump, you know, says that they have to pay the fair share, they want to get up in arms and have a coronary about it. I mean, what is hypocrisy? But anyway, I'll continue. It says, in 2016, uh, Kristen Welker finally paid a $6,700 in California lien taxes. Though she's offered little personal commentary about tax policy, she has reported on the issue. These are tweets from Kristen Welker. POTUS, inequality has deepened. Upward mobility has stalled. Dems will campaign on issues related to inequality. This was in January of 2014. This is in 2012. POTUS, majority of voters agree with me when it comes to wealthy paying more in taxes. A subtle suggestion, he's got a mandate. And this one's again from 2012. Per Dem source Fam with Talks, the call between Boehner and Codis was tense because the R offered a the offer had permanent tax cuts for wealthy Americans. It has here, since two other recent MSNBC personalities have also grappled with massive tax debt. Tarot Nablet, which I'll be honest, I have no idea who that guy is who was fired by MSNBC. How the hell did you get fired by MSNBC? But anyway, <laughs> in 2015, had significant tax uh, problems. Oh, well, this is big. According to public records from the New York City Department of Finance Office of the City Register, the IRS filed two separate tax liens against him for more than $257,000. Uh, covering the year, man, how much is this guy making? He's got tax liens of $257,000. Uh, covering the years from 2008 to 2012. Okay, that's four years, but still that's fifty grand a year. More than that. Oh my gosh, there's people who don't even make that and he owes that in taxes. Uh, anyway, actually there's a lot of people who don't make that. 
But anyway, it's unclear uh, whether it has made any effort to pay off his tax debt or whether they remain outstanding. Uh, Neblet did not respond to our media requests, since with various social media accounts, and by deadline, his representative for speaking gifts has also failed to respond to our detailed inquiry. The New York City office that recorded the liens was unable to confirm or deny any payments. The New York State Department of Taxation and Finance said it did not show any state warrants, but couldn't comment on the status of federal tax warrants. By deadline, the Internal Revenue Service hasn't responded to Heat Street's detailed query about whether the tax debt was outstanding. Uh, Melissa Harris-Perry, who left the network in 2016, had a federal lien against her for around $70,000. She paid it off the following paid it off the following year. Could you imagine? Oh, here, here, take $70,000. Well, wouldn't that be nice? But anyway, she did not comment to Heat Street's request for comments. And so they all want to get on Trump about taxes, but yet he's paying his, and they're not paying theirs, and they want to complain about it. And again, folks, you can find that article as well as, as, well as many articles and pictures and videos on the Bards Logic Political Talk newsroom, where you can find that www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, so check that out. And you can also subscribe and get articles and updates from the Bards Logic Political Talk newsroom. Uh, there's a little spot there where you can put in your email address. And when we get a new uh, every week, it's renewed e- each week. And so when we do have uh, new articles come in each week, uh, you'll get an email uh, giving you uh, links and, and, and things that nature you can access uh, access those articles. And so, again, uh, check that out. And we are almost at the top of the hour when I want to start talking about uh, the U.S. Attorney General, Attorney General, sorry, uh, attorneys uh, fired basically, and sh- what Matt Al was talking about uh, earlier. We're going to talk about that shortly. But first, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. If you want to have some final thoughts on on this uh, Rachel Maddow mania over Trump when it comes to his taxes. I'd say that she has, it's all better turn out, right? This guy is giving her the right information because if not, she's going to be really embarrassed and might leave herself open for a lawsuit. I don't know. I, she's crazy in the head. But then, you know, I think a lot of them, are anymore. <laughs> I I just shake my head at all of it. And what do you? Well, say? yeah, well, that's what why I call mean? it uh, liberal hysteria. <laughs> well, what is it, Michael Savage? Uh, he who was attacked uh, says about the liberals. Uh, I had a book written on it. I can't remember, but that they're liberals are mental. Hey, heat sinker. Uh... Well, uh, I was uh, saying, Heat Sinker, I want to welcome you to the chat. If you'd like to chime in, you can, of course, chime in there through chat, as you have. And it says, audit away. Uh, If you want to put some uh, clarification or some elaboration there, Heat Sinker, on that comment there in chat, uh, just go ahead and put that on, get on the show. And, of course, you're also welcome to give us a call at 347-945-7428, and we can get uh, have a conversation. You can join our, our roundtable discussion with our panel here. Go ahead. Liberalism is a mental disorder. <laughs> yeah, liberalism is a mental disorder. Book. Actually, there's a Facebook page, I think, that uh, – I think there's a Facebook page. Now, it's not from 
him. It's, it's it, you know, but there is a Facebook page I think called that. Uh, it's not from Levin. And speaking of Levin, if you missed uh, last week's show, we do have uh, Levin putting out about leaks, uh, about you know proof of uh, leaks, and we we have that full audio of him, you know, showing evidence uh, of that uh, on our uh, previous shows. So you go to the archives here on Blog Talk Radio. You're also welcome to uh, go to the uh, on your for your mobile device. You can download uh, for free on iTunes uh, the uh, the shows there, so you can download them to your mobile device. And so let's go ahead and, wow, man, so we're at the top of the hour already. And, of course, uh, give me a shameful plug uh, for you to check out uh, the show's website by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And we've mentioned already about checking out the Bards Logic newsroom, uh, but we do have other pages as well, and that includes uh, the live Newsmax TV. So you can actually sit there and, and, and watch the Newsmax live. Uh, right there on the website. Uh, we also have, uh, of course, about the show, and we also have uh, uh, something I need to update a little bit, but it's my Green Conservatism page, as well as our Give page, which has some wonderful organizations uh, that you can uh, feel good about uh, donating to. And, of course, then there's the contact portal uh, where you can, you know, contact me, the host, uh, when, you know, for any comments or things that you'd like to see you know, or here, I should say, rather, on the show. Uh, so uh, check that out again at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And you'll see that you know, we've kind of got a, a space-like theme because that's something I've also been uh, pushing there is, you know, revigorating our space program. Uh, much to our friend John Chagrin. I'm just kidding with you, John. We definitely have to have a, a real good debate, you know, a long debate on that one these days. Uh, but anyway... Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. Now, of course, we're talking about uh, this Friday, you know, you know, Trump's like, get out of here. You're fine. You know, in one case, uh, you're fired. <laughs> and, of course, then there's the big hoopla, uh, you know, that ensues on that. And so now have you heard anything on that, Susan, you know, on the firings, you know, about basically telling them to get out, you know, for the uh, uh, for those U.S. attorneys? Um, no, I haven't. Um, I do know that he didn't he and no, I, I don't know anything about it, to be honest. I can only tell you that his uh <clears throat> friendship with Arnold Schwarzenegger when Arnold was over the show has not been the best. And Arnie is coming back. He's gonna run for the Senate. <laughs> Aren't you just thrilled? He's got Arnold Schwarzenegger's gonna run for the Senate? Yeah. <laughs> Man, he, he, I you know, let's be honest. Let's be honest. He'll win, too. <laughs> oh. He'll win. He'll, he'll be yeah, like, hey, you know way. what? Maybe he here's what I, well, here's what I think he should do. I think he should move and live in Arizona and run. <laughs> and you know where I'm going with this, don't, don't you? I think he should run and take – uh, Oh, man, I had a brain freeze. It got the guy's face in my mind. Oh, that's scary. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I think it should run uh, McCain. Run against McCain. Of course, McCain might not ever run again. I mean, I think he's done. I think he might might know he can't win a primary. And I tell you what, I mean, it's people like McCain, and I think, uh, oh, my gosh, man, he ran for president. I'm having another brain freeze. This is terrible. Um, McCain did. Lindsey Graham, I think I think they I think they need to get oh. primaried out. 
<clears throat> is what I think. Well, they seem to have a problem in those states. They're idiots. So, yeah, I think I think they need to. I just to throw do that in. I thought you might get a hoot out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Well, here's a. Well, and of course, and we're also, in the, of course, then there's a big hoopla, you know, trying to make, you know, pre Pahara or Parara, whatever they want to call him, the the U.S. Uh, attorney from uh, New York. Uh, and so, you know, if, you know, he actually so he got fired because he refused to leave. So basically, they said, "What well, you know, get out of there." And you know, and they're like, "We'll do it quickly." Well, of course, you're going to do it quickly because look, I mean, this is something that's you know, it's not a precedent. Precedent. And she mentioned, uh, "Oh well, you know, other people have done it." And I've got an article here. Uh, this is from Infowars.com. Um, you know, because they're they're making all the the big hoopla, right? And it says. Uh, and, you know, it's an article there. It says, former President Bill Clinton asked 93 politically appointed – now, remember, folks, yeah, politically appointed attorneys. Now, these, you know, these are people from, you know, appointed by Barack Obama. Of course he's going to want them out. Frankly, he's been in office 50-something days, you know, 60 days or something like that. It's, I think he should have gotten them out of there sooner. I don't know what they're complaining about. I mean, that would have been one of the things I would have done on day one. Say, if you work for the Obama administration, get out of there. That's what I would have done. Because now look what you know. Now look what you know. The, the what they're what they're starting to call the deep state. Uh, you know what what they're causing. I mean, I would have done that in the first day. Um, and they're saying how quickly. Did you were going to say something before I, I move on with this? No. I thought you were going to say something. But uh, basically, it says former Bill Clinton. Maybe it's uh, our friend NSA Bob acting up. But anyway, it says former President Bill Clinton uh, asked 93 politically appointed U.S. attorneys to resign in 1993, which didn't prompt as much media outrage as when President Trump did it. I, tell you, I still hear President Trump just just hearing that. Just, I still it still tickles me <laughs> to hear that. I tell you what, it still does. When I hear that, it's like, oh my gosh, we did it, we did it. But anyway. Uh, it says Attorney General Janet Reno today, and this is, I guess, from when he did it. Attorney, and this is a quote here. It says Attorney General Ran, uh, Janet Reno today demanded the prompt resignation of all U.S. attorneys, leading the federal prosecutor and the District of Columbia to suggest the order could be tied to his long-running investigation of Representative Dan Rowandowski, a crucial ally of President Clinton reported the New York Times on March 24th, 1993. All 93 U.S. attorneys knew they would be asked to step down since all are Republican holdovers and 16 have resigned so far. But the process generally takes much longer and had been carried out without the involvement of the attorney general. And here's a letter. It says, uh, Dear Mr. Sessions, huh, interesting. Uh, it says, Honorable J.B. Sessions III, United States uh, so I guess it was Mobile, uh, Alabama, blah, blah, blah. Okay. says, the president has asked me to request that United States attorneys immediately submit letters of resignation as has been asked of all presidential appointees. Please address your letter to President Clinton and send it in care of John Podesta, assistant to the president and staff secretary, with a copy to me. As a United States attorney, you have played a vital role in the administration of justice in this country. Both President and I appreciate your years of public service and wish you well in the future. I thank you for your cooperation. 
Janet and signed Janet Reno. And then well, here, here again, we see tweets that said, Clinton, uh, this is from Kit Daniels, Clinton fired 93 U.S. attorneys in one day. Only 46 were fired from Hill. As later on in 2007, Fox News brought up the Clinton firings in response to media's outrage over the Bush administration considering doing the same thing. The only sitting U.S. attorney Clinton did not cashier was Michael Chernoff, who later became the Bush Homeland Security Secretary. Reported Fox in 2007, at the time, Chernoff was U.S. attorney in New Jersey, and then Democrat Senator Bill Bradley of New Jersey intervened to save Chernoff's job. By the way, the mass Clinton firings generated some news stories, some complaints from Republicans in Congress, but no congressional investigation and not a word from Trump Schumer. And likewise, the media is outraged at Trump for doing the exact same thing Clinton did, although Trump only asked 46 to resign. A law enforcement source charged that this could not have been handled any worse because there was little warning, CNN reported. Uh, many prosecutors found out through media reports that they had to resign today. CNN mentioned the Clinton firings, but near the bottom of the lengthy article, and they whitewashed their circumstances. Administrations have the right to replace and nominate U.S. attorneys. Uh, Bill, President Bill Clinton, for instance, dismissed dozens of U.S. attorneys in his first year of office. CNN continued, dozens of attorneys? That's an understatement, according to the New York Times article, in 1993. Uh, and it looks like there was a, a, a video here, but it's about nine minutes, and I should have got that uh, for you guys, but I did not. Uh, I apologize, and, and maybe we'll say that on subsequent uh, uh, show. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to, uh, to you, Susan, about, you know, as I said, you haven't heard a, a lot on there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're making a big hoopla about him doing the firings. But as you said, it's uh, not unprecedented. Oh, did we lose Susan? Uh, no, I'm here. I I have <laughs> All right. So okay, I see. Okay, uh, he he Heatseeker sent me a link that uh, is, is it just a pic or is it an actual article? Heatseeker, could you let me uh, tell me more on that? It looks like it's just a picture. I don't. I don't remember sending you a picture. Um, it was. There oh, it's a, it's a picture of of Mad Al. It says uh, it says that face you make. When you're trying to make Trump look bad with his 2005 tax returns, but find out he paid more taxes at a higher rate than both Obama and Bernie when fake news backfires. Oh, that's hilarious. Thank you very much, Heat Singer. I'm actually going to – I'll save that image and I'll uh, – I'll save that yeah, image there. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Is that, is, would that be considered a meme? Would that be considered a yeah, meme? <laughs> that would be uh that's what whatever he's sent you, that's what it would be. Mine is oh, that's hilarious. 
No, I okay. So what I've got here now, I've got, I'm trying to find it because I'm actually going to share that on Facebook because that's actually pretty funny. Oh, okay. Look for it. Oh, it didn't. Oh, it didn't save the way I wanted to save. I guess. Okay. Well, there, there it is. <laughs> now let's see here. Yeah, that was funny. I want to pr- appreciate that. So I'm going to, I'm going to share that on Facebook. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so go, go ahead, Susan. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just. Um, oh, I was. I, I just seen that. So I thought. I thought that was funny. No, I was just listening. I hadn't. I wasn't even saying anything. I just told you. I didn't oh. say it to you. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to put it here on the – it says write something, but I'm just going to be put a picture in once it, once it lights up. It, that's hilarious. So this – see, this shows how we are actually a live show and we're not being recorded because we're doing things as we are talking on the show. So this is definitely something that we're doing that is live. So let me get this here. And, folks, you can check this out on the – I'm going to share it to other pages. But we're going to check this out on the Bard's Logic uh, Political Talk page there on Facebook. As I said, just put it in the search engine, uh, and, you'll be able, or, you know, and you'll be able to find that. So that's hilarious. That's, that's just hilarious. I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to share that now, too. So what – where, where, let's see. I'll just post it to. Uh, there's so many different groups that we both, you know, to here. Let's let's put it in the Trump party. How's that sound? There you go. For folks who are uh, looking for uh, different uh, Facebook groups, uh, and, and if you're uh, a member of a, of a face, uh, Facebook heat seeker, maybe you can check it out. But yeah, here here's what I'll do is a kind of a public service announcement, kind of a a public service to people is I'm going to name all these different, write these down folks. And since you're, you know, listening live or you're listening on the podcast, uh, what you can do is write down these, uh, the names of these uh, Trump groups that you can look for. And then if you uh, like a particular group, uh, you can, uh, you can join them. So one of you, of course, is the Trump party. So we'll, uh, We'll share the the picture in the Trump party. So write, you know, as I said, write these down. Or you can always rewind if you're listening to this on the, pod, you know, on the podcast. And let's see here. I'm just going to do this in alphabetical order. Why not? We'll have a little fun here. Uh, even though it's Bard's not Bard's logic after dark, let's go ahead and have a little have a little fun here. Well, I don't want to share an event. I want to share in a in a group. So let's see here. This should be funny. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let the meme speak for itself. And then here's one. It's called Making America Greater Together, and that's an explanation mark after the together. So we'll share it on that. You know, don't you hate when you're when you're you know, trying to share something and then it just highlights everything as if you want to send it, to, you know, everything on your page? It drives me nuts. I don't know why it's been doing that. Have you been having that problem, Susan? Let's see, and there's – well, see, there's another one, Make America Great Again. That's another Trump group. So just ask uh, to be on these. 
And then now here's another uh, let's see, a group. And this is actually kind of how I share the link on the show uh you know, each Wednesday night. Now there's also uh little now here's the one we mentioned, this is the one I was telling you about, uh, Susan, and I think they'll they'll get a crack out of this is liberalism is a mental disorder. So yes, there is a a Facebook page called Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. So of course, uh, my friends uh, who are liberals probably, well, not, they're, and they're not many. I mean, they're not many. They probably wouldn't like that. Now, one I want everyone to check out. I mean, I'll, I'll obviously check these the other ones out. Uh, but there's also uh, what's called Overpasses for America. And the founder of Overpasses uh, used to be one of our panelists here on the show. Uh, but, of course, you know, he got more uh, involved in his uh, activism there with overpasses for America. Now, it used to be overpasses for Obama's impeachment, uh, but that has since, since changed to, uh, you know, to uh, overpasses for America. Now, the good, one other thing about that is each – well, every state, all the 50 states has an overpasses. So if you're not already an overpasses member – uh, what I would suggest is to, you know, of course, you know, search engine and go into uh, just put overpasses for America, okay? And then, as I said, and then put, you know, a little squiggly, I guess, that squiggly thing and, and search for your state uh, because each state has an overpasses. And they're an activist group. Uh, of course, there's posting, but they also have – uh, where they, they call out, uh, you know, action. I mean, that's one of the, I mean, we don't want to just tweet. We don't want to just put posts on Facebook. We don't want to just, let's be honest, listen to radio shows. I mean, one of the things that we always promote is, you know, to turn, a, you know, a talk show into, you know, an action show. We want people to actually take action. And that's one of the things people do on, uh, people do on these uh, overpasses. That's what they do is, I know we're getting off topic, but, you know, it's, the organic nature of the show. Uh, but anyway, and so what they do is they'll actually stand and they'll, um, you know, get the overpasses, you know, they'll have signs and, you know, you know, things of that nature. And they'll have like, you know, rallies and stuff like that, but, but definitely check them out. Oh, excuse me. You check out each one of the, uh, you know, check each one of those, uh, those pages out. And I think it's, um, you know, just as I said, put in overpasses for America in the search engine and then pull what state you're in, and that will help you to find it. And so they, cause that's where I'm actually, you know, sharing uh, some of these, uh, that, that picture that uh, Heat Seeker sent, and I appreciate it. And that, 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 that's, it's funny. And just even the look on, uh, oh, looks like we, we – oh, no, there she is again. Let's see. Welcome back, Susan. <laughs> We got we got you back here. I don't know why is that doing that. Oh, it's driving me nuts. Oh, come on. There we go. I don't know what's going on. Are you breaking up there, uh, Susan? Yeah, that looks really. That sounds really bad. Susan, yeah, you mean she she dropped the call? She's gonna have to call back, I guess. Or, let's see, are you there, Susan? Well, I can't, I can't even hear you. 
Yeah, I can't I can't hear her at all. That's unfortunate. Well, she'll call back in, and, and I do see some other folks on the line. Just push the one on your number dial uh, when you're ready to get in. I tell you what, people are really liking the uh, they're really liking this meme uh, on Facebook. Uh, heat sinker. Yeah, there you go. There's your laughing. Uh, they're, they're really liking your your uh, your link here. I mean, I've already gotten some likes. Uh, uh, I've already gotten some likes on it. So <laughs> people are, people are definitely getting a kick out of it. And she's kind of a nut anyway, if you guys ever watched Mad Al. But anyway, I'm not being very helpful here because I'm not getting uh, – I'm still trying to hope they can hear Susan. But anyway, so I was saying I'm not being very helpful here about, you know, sharing out these different groups for folks. Um, and then there's Silence is Consent, uh, Trump 2020. There's uh, Talk Radio Patriots Cloakroom. Uh, that's another uh, another one. If you want to, you know, know of different shows, uh, so that would be something that you can, you know, you could check out. I think Facebook's not liking it. Like it. And there's Trump Shaw. Uh, Trump Shaw uh, Strong. Wow, I like I can get that out. Trump Strong, and it's got a little uh, C for, like, copyright on there. That's another one, so another Trump group. And Lee Olson uh, gave me a little – gave us a little laughing uh, face on it. So <laughs> I think he had – now, did you – now, now uh, did you find that heat sinker, or did you uh, make that up yourself, or, or how did that come about? Uh, I'll just share there in the chat how you came up with that meme, because that's that's hilarious. Especially the look on her face. See, there's another good one. It's called The Constitution Matters. It's another Facebook page. See how I'm sharing with you folks? I'm just just sharing with the audience here. Oh, here's one you guys will like. It's called the Deplorables. That's another. That's another good one. I think you guys would like. Called the Deplorables. And we won't do this too much. I mean, there's a, as you can probably imagine, there's a lot of Facebook groups that I belong to. Um, this is a ton of them. There's... Are you all right, Susan? Um. We sound yeah. like you're having some technical difficulties. Sound like you're having some uh, technical difficulties there. Well, I don't know. Can you hear me? Well, NSA Bob, barely. NSA Bob must be giving us some problems. I guess so. I could barely hear you. For and, a little bit. and speaking of that, where is our friend Cindy? I tell you what, I haven't really seen her much around uh, lately. I like to know what's going on with Cindy. Anybody, have you been, have you been talking to Cindy? Have anybody talked to her? You know, I don't know what's going on with her. But anyway, we also have another one that's called We. She posted it in the group one. There we yeah. go. It says We the We the People for Donald Trump, and that also has like a little copyright thing. And then Jesse Williams uh, 
And the deplorables just gave us a little laughing face. Let's see. Did I paste that? There we go. So you're going to get all – I wish there was a way you can see how many people you're – oh, Mike Klepper. Wow, these people are reacting fast. They must really like this meme. Mike – yeah, Mike Klepper. Oh, he made a comment. Jesse Williams made a comment. Let's let's go to his uh, – let's go to Jesse Williams' comment. Let's say this is totally off uh, topic tonight, but you know what? We did, we're just going to have some fun here. Oh, he put another meme in there. Um, oh, my gosh. And it's about Rachel Maddow. Says what? Rachel Maddow's next big TV spectacular will be Donald Trump's 1997 dental records. <laughs> and what it is, the picture has uh, for all you who are familiar with uh, the Andy Griffith show, it has Andy Griffith there standing over. Um, oh my gosh, who was his deputy? Um, come on, Susan. I know you watch the Andy Griffith show. Tell me, who was his? Uh, who was his deputy? Kind of a Don Knotts guy. played him. I thought no, not Don Knotts, huh? Yes, a skinny little guy. <laughs> oh, he what was that skin- guy's name? I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. So we got. Uh, hey, we even had somebody uh, to share the post. So it, it, it's going viral. It's going viral. Uh, heat sinker. So that's what, that's what you're doing, folks. Yep, there you go. We got another one, Alan Johnson from the Deplorables. It's going viral. It's going viral, uh, Heat Seeker. Nope, nope. Jared Morris. What the Deplorable. Tell you what, if you guys want to join a group that's active, go to the Deplorables because, man, they uh, – look at that. We've only been doing this for a little bit, for what, a couple minutes? And eighty people's already it's reached it's already reached eighty people. This this uh hey. this picture Deputy did. Go ahead, Susan. Deputy Barney Fice. Deputy Fice. Barney Fice, that's right. And you're still breaking up really bad, Susan. I hate it. Ugh. Um Yeah, but a lot of people from the um the deplorables, they, they they really seem to like it. <laughs> Barney Fife, there you go. Found it, found it, but it uh, but it was a good one. Yeah, that Barney Fife one was. See, we're gonna have some fun here, um, and be informative for folks who are looking for new uh, Facebook pages. And then uh, we're not gonna do this for the rest of the show, obviously. But um, I am kind of going off a little tangent here, but. It, it's fun as a film. We've only been doing this for what, maybe ten minutes of that, uh, and we've already got you know, it's already got eighty people. On it. I don't even think it's been ten minutes. Um, maybe I'll just have a show where all I do is share memes. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, well, if this tells you anything, I'm only on the D's. Um, Right now, or now I'm E's, you know, because I kind of go in the alphabetical order. Um, let's see. Check out one that would be good. And there's the overpasses again. Uh, overpasses for America, and then put this the this um the state that you're in. And then there's United for Trump. 
There's another Trump uh, page there on Facebook. I tell you what, if you can consolidate all the different Trump pages into, you know, one, just one massive Trump support site, it would be incredible. And and, and that's kind of, uh, and while I'm looking these up, you know, I just, what, what, and this is going to be actually segue to the next, uh, the next topic is, you know, because I'm working uh, to try to uh, basically save my daughter's school. She's a freshman at a private Catholic high school that we just found out a couple weeks ago uh, is uh, they're closing it and merging with another school that's that's in a, a neighborhood 30 minutes away. And so, of course, we're not happy about it, and we're and we'll, we'll talk more about that, you know more about it. Uh, in the segment, uh, but one of the things, the problems we're talking, you know, uh, we're finding is, you know, with, with with activism and how social media can help with activism, but it also hinders it, which we've talked about, you know, and you know times before on that. Um, but we'll do that more in the top of the hour uh, when we when we talk about that discussion. So let's see here. And then of course there is the ever popular government bites which is run by our very own uh, Susan here. So check out Government Bites. Now that's spelled B-Y-T-E-S when you look it up. Uh, government and then B-Y-T-E-S. I tell you what, there we go again. There we go. That's the deplorable Teresa Irvine from the Deplorables. I tell you what, if you want to join a group that, you know, <laughs> is active, they're, they're deplorable. They're really, uh, they're, they're, they're liking and sharing. So, uh, so far, yeah, there goes a little contest that they don't even know about uh, on the pages. Um, let's see. Checking out to see your post. Oh, well, let's oh. see. Oh, that is cute. <laughs> you see that? There we go. And then um, there's uh, We Love President Trump. That's another one. Uh, now, that, I tell you what, that one, they've been actually pretty busy tonight. We love President Trump. Uh, and then, well, John Mackey uh, from Trump Strong, uh, he reacted with a laugh. And then uh, from Make America Great Again, we have Rosa Meza. And then, hey, there you go, Susan. Susan liked it and government bites. <laughs> oh, I don't know why, but I'm having so much fun. <laughs> on this. Oh, my gosh. Just to, oh. There you go, Nikki Hayes, the deplorables, uh, Hope Stevens, the Trump Party. So write these Everybody. down, folks, and if you want to join these groups, oh, we love – oh, someone uh, – oh, they commented on a post. Not uh, We love uh, we love President Trump. They're they're reacting a lot. And I think what they're re- reacting a lot to is, you know, part of the topics we're talking about, of course, we know that uh, Trump is live in Nashville, and I think everybody was kind of paying attention to Trump instead of – the show, which is making me mad. No, it's not making me mad. I understand. But anyway, um, so I think that's where a lot of uh, people are tonight. Uh, I, I think they like to do things on Wednesdays. Let me tell you, because um, we get that it happen a lot. Let's see. And then there's alternative media networks. So that's, you know, for all of us alternative news people. And let me refresh here. Oh, there we go. Jake Spart- Jack Sparks and Trump Strong. Uh, he liked uh, he liked your picture there, uh, Heat Seeker. Let's see. Wow, listen, Heat Seeker, you're 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 it's getting there. Three hundred and thirty-seven people reached so far, <laughs> just in that short time. Three hundred thirty-seven people. Now I'll tell you what, if you can actually, 
get everyone who reaches and likes and, and makes comments, you know, if you can actually get drive these people to action, uh, let me tell you something. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, a movement. You can really get people going. Uh, so, you know, as I said, I'm having fun. I'm, you know, this is something I've never done before, and I'm not going to do this like a lot or on every show, but it just kind of, you know, happened. And so I'm just going to have fun with it because it's fun to see how many, you know, how many people are, uh, you know, watching. Let's see. Then there's the Trumpville Report News. However, I don't think they let me. I don't think. I don't think they let people write. They don't allow people to post on their timeline. Trumpville Report News. I guess they got too many trolls. Uh, trolls in there unfortunately that i know that happens um but here's a good one i don't see them posting a lot but uh here's a good one it says uh new world order resistance and so you know that might be one you guys are interested in that topic uh to check that page out as i said i don't see them uh very much but we um you know that's you know it's still out there for you Let's see. Again, there's all kind of overpasses for America. I mean, you, if you've got a state, there you go. Um, then there's Right Opinion Radio Broadcast. And that uh, also has different radio programs on there if you want to check out uh, different radio programs for that. Um, There's a one. It's called it's called Restoring America Together with Trump slash Pence. Okay. So, well, did you send me something again, Susan? Oh, that's an old post. Okay. So I just got a another chat. Who is that chatting me? Oh, it's you, Susan. <laughs> No, okay, I, let's move it on. We're almost done here, but uh, as I said, this is um, – what's that? Send you I did just send you oh, something. Oh, okay. It's about um, okay. Paul Ryan. They're, they're going to try to okay. help him. <laughs> it says, yeah. And, uh, here, to re- yeah, no doubt. To restore America is another one. And uh, so let's see. Oh, this one where it says, um, oh, okay, it is. Uh, and, and, did you want to read that to the folks? Uh, well, no, you're having a hard time. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to read it either. It's kind of long. I tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. And it is kind of long, so I'm not going to read it. But I'm going to allow you folks who are listening, whether you're listening live or to, uh, and this is from the Conservative Daily. And so for those of you who are listening live or if you're listening now, uh, to the podcast, I am going to post this here on the Bard's Logic Political Talk page where you can read uh, this, uh, what Susan sent us about the works of trying to get uh, Paul Ryan ousted. So let's go ahead and you can find that by going to the Bard's Logic Political Talk Put that in the search engine, and you'll find the show, and you can really uh, read that. So go ahead. Uh, that's thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. You give that folks to to read. No Let's see where we're at. Uh, oh, but I got no, I got another article. We we may get to it. We may not. 
um, about the the taxes. Um, but gosh darn it, I'm just having so much fun with this. I hope you guys, I hope you guys are too. Cause it, oh no, but the thing no more reaches. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see what other good pages there are for you folks. Yeah, I tell you what, a lot of people are posting, they're commenting on uh, we love President Trump, uh, but as I said, that's probably, um, you know, about his uh, his rally he did in Nashville, uh, Nashville, because I was getting ready to read uh, another group called President Trump United We Stand. That's President Trump United We Stand. So... There we go, to restore America, Tony Guy. So that's another person like that. It's in to restore America, T-O, restore America. Oh, let's see. There's Trump Uncensored with three X's. You guys can figure out what that's about. I'm just kidding, folks. We're not in Bard's Logic After Dark yet. And actually, with our topic, uh, Bard's Logic After Dark, it may be more. Oh, we don't have Kelly. I was going to mention Kelly because Kelly usually, uh, with that, um, he calls it our, our Bible, uh, the Bard's Logic Bible Hour, uh, because we'll be talking about Catholic schools. That's why I was really open. Uh, well, she homeschools, Cindy does. Uh, you know, our friend Cindy, she homeschools. Uh, but that's going to be part of what we're talking about. And I, I thought maybe uh, Kelly would. I might have to, to message him, see if we can get him back in. Uh, and so let's see here. We're almost done here, folks. But as I said, I was, it was just funny. It's just fun to see people uh, and how they react, you know, with that. But, I mean, and then there's United for Trump. That's another one, folks. You can uh, check out United for Trump. So if you guys are looking for Trump pages, there you go. And I think we're just going to do one more here. And let's see. Because you can see we're we're kind of towards the end of the the alphabet anyway. And so, the, I mean, and that wasn't even all the groups that, that to be honest, I belong to. It's just the ones that are kind of relevant to, to what we're doing tonight. And some of them are old pages, like U.S. General Election Central. Well, the election's over, so, you know, we're kind of – don't use that one anymore because it's like or V for Trump. I'm V for vote, I should say. And then there's um, let's see. No, I guess that, that might very well be it. That uh, well, it says President Trump and Vice President Pence made in America. I haven't, to be honest, I haven't seen much on them either. But anyway, so let's go ahead, uh, Susan, and, and get things back. So hopefully, folks. Uh, you know, wrote down those different pages. If you're looking for different pages, go to on Facebook. Uh, and then if, if you don't, you're listening to the podcast, you can always, uh, you know, you can always rewind it. And uh looks like we got here. Oh, what is the link? Okay, Heat Shaker, let me go ahead and, and send you the link here to the Bard's Logic Political Talk page. And so you can see where. All right, so let me put that in the chat for you. 
And it says here, uh, it's from election that says, regarding the New American Health Care Act, where is Pelosi saying we have to pass it in order to find out what's in it? Oh, okay. And that's just another uh, another link. Now, what, what, what I'll do is I'll post that as well. Uh, I'll post that picture as well. But, uh, oh, okay, with the Republican control. <laughs> He's looking all mad. Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll post that on the page as well uh, for you. But let's go ahead and uh, I'll bring things back because we'll do want to be, get to the uh, top of the hour. Now, Heat Singer just listened to and uh, is that you'll need to call us in to hear the extended period of what you've probably been hearing us call Bard's Logic After Dark, as that's what we lovingly call it. Uh, but you'll need to do that within the next 19 minutes or you're not going to be able to uh, listen to the extended period, or even uh, if you want to chime in as well. But of course, we'd like to hear from everybody. Uh, so give us a call at 347-945-7428, and uh, we'll get you into the show if you just want to listen. Uh, just don't push that one in your number dial, and, you know, I won't, get, won't bring you in. Uh, but that's only if you uh, would like to. And then the last uh, last on that, it looks like it kind of was funny and died down a little bit. But, you know, in about 20 minutes, uh, we've got – we reached out to 438 people uh, in about 20 minutes. So that's about 20 people per minute. That's not too bad. Um, so maybe, it, you know, that's not too bad there. And so let's go ahead and, you know, I've got to – Okay, and here's uh, from Fox News. It's it's an article there, and this this may close out, uh, you know, our, uh, this this part of the segment for uh, for this. So I was really hoping to hear from Kelly because I did see him in the line, but you know maybe something came up where uh, he's not going to be able to talk. But yeah, just give us a call, uh, Heat Seeker at uh, five. I'm just giving my cell phone number three four seven nine four five. Seven four two eight. A lot of my, I mean, I've got the, the show's number, my cell phone number, my work number, and all of them are close together. <laughs> so those times I would call people and I'll accidentally give them my my work number and they'll call and they'll be like, "Why are you calling me at work?" I'm like, oh my gosh, I accidentally gave you that. But anyway, this is uh, talking more about uh, Preet Bharara uh, fired uh, a f- fired a phony scandal created by Obama appointee, um, and it. Uh, Man, why, I hate when they put these stupid pop-ups, you know, in articles and and stuff. Like, look, we don't want your dang advertisement. No, but anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, let's see how long this is. Okay, it's not too long. Okay, and it says, in 2009, uh, President Barack Obama asked for the resignation of George W. Bush-appointed U.S. attorneys. When he replaced virtually all of them, it was treated as nothing out of the ordinary. That's because it wasn't. In March 1993, as our last article showed, uh, President Bill Clinton had Attorney General Janet Reno fire 93 of 94. He only kept one. 94 U.S. attorneys appointed by the prior administration, and we mentioned who that was. Uh, yet today, Preet Brahara, Obama's U.S. attorney for the so- uh, Southern District of New York, is being portrayed by some as a political martyr because he was fired after he refused the Trump administration's request to resign along with the remaining 45 Obama appointees in the U.S. attorney slots. 
Uh, the fuss uh, being made was, was about this is just as phony as the outrage ginned up in 2006 by political opponents, opponents of President George W. Bush. They were shocked, shocked the Bush had dared replace eight U.S. attorney generals. Uh, I keep saying the attorney general, just U.S. attorneys, all of whom had been appointed by Bush himself. All the sensational coverage past the president ignores one simple controlling fact. All political appointees, including U.S. attorneys, serve at the pleasure of the president. That's why only 46 Obama appointees were asked to resign last week. All the others have already left. The new, as does everyone else in Washington politics and the media, that they were expected to resign as soon as the president was inaugurated and move on to the no doubt very lucrative jobs they are now being offered in big law firms all over the country. The movement, uh, the the moment a U.S. attorney leaves, the first assistant in that office, a career prosecutor, takes over until a new U.S. attorney is confirmed by the Senate. All of the office's investigations and prosecutions continue uninterrupted. There is no partisan interference going on. Well, this is good because they were talking about, you know, the investigations. Remember the audio clips that we had earlier about the uh, all these investigations going on now? What about all these investigations? Well, according to this Fox News uh, uh, report, it looks like they're going to continue. All of us can agree that law enforcement should be nonpartisan and carried out in an objective manner that meets the best interest of the administration of justice. But new presidents and new attorneys general attorney attorneys general are entitled to put in U.S. attorneys who will carry out their policies and their priorities when it comes to enforcing the myriad federal laws covering everything from terrorism and organized crime to immigration and election fraud. On many of these issues, the Trump administration's policies varies widely from the previous administration. For example, President Trump wants to enforce our immigration laws rather than ignore them. A cadre of U.S. attorneys appointed to accommodate the old policy would make it virtually impossible to implement the new. We know exactly what to expect from these holdovers because we've seen what happened when the Trump administration allowed Obama political appointees to remain at the Justice Department. The prime example is Sally Yates, the former deputy, deputy attorney general who enhanced her reputation and her job prospects. With the progressive left, and when she announced that she would not defend President Trump's executive order on immigration, her political allies portrayed her as a martyr, even though she let her political views interfere with her sworn duty to defend an executive order that her own department had already concluded was lawfully issued. Preet Brahara, now former U.S. Attorney for Southern New York, seems to be trying to stage the same type of media spectacle. Like all others remaining Obama political appointees, he was asked to resign. <clears throat> Excuse me. Unlike the others, he refused to do so. The administration then did the most natural saying in the world. They dismissed him. Or in other words, folks, you're fired. Anyway, uh, Burhara broke the news himself, tweeting out, see, there's Twitter again, that he had been fired almost as soon as he got off the telephone with the main justice. Uh, this little bit of political theater is apparently calculated to raise his profile, his cred, and perhaps his market value among the resist wing of the left. 
I am told by a knowledgeable media source that Prahara is extremely ambitious. New York papers have speculated that he might be ramping up for a run for governor or mayor. Maybe like Hillary Clinton, but she failed. Again, uh, another former Justice Department source confirmed that Prahara has grand political aspirations, adding that he's also extremely partisan. Uh, the only real outrage is that a politically ambitious prosecutor and his friends in the media are taking a totally routine event, the request that a political appointee resign. The post he was given under a prior administration patronage, surprised me, because they're trying to turn everything that Trump does into a scandal. So, Susan, did you got your uh, audio back on your phone? Um, yeah. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, well, yes, I do. Uh, were you asking me a question or what? No, I just make it short because just kids do want to make any commentary because we only got about uh, 10 minutes left uh, for the um, – so we can move over to our next segment. I just didn't want to leave you with any comments uh, that you might want to have on there. And there's a little update for you. Uh, Heat Seeker, let's see here. We have got 483 people who, who, who reached out to, to your, your meme there. But also, Heat Seeker and those out there who are listening in, uh, just give us a call at 51. I'm sorry, I'm just getting my home address, my cell phone number again at Three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Do it for the next ten minutes. You won't be able to be part of Bard's Logic after dark, and we will uh, get you into uh, the show. Uh, just push the one on your number dial if you like to chime in, uh, and so we would uh, welcome that, of course. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, yeah, nine minutes before we do that, and looks like we uh, we've got Kelly. Hey, we got Kelly on the line. Uh, so let's go ahead and welcome Kelly. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? It's good to see you, bud. Hey, I am hurting chaps tonight. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm right, telling sorry, you, I, I, I've got go, – go ahead. I, I, I'm doing some of that myself with uh, a project I'm working on that we're going to be talking about, it, uh, honestly, in the next uh, segment. Go ahead. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so here I'm in California. We're um, – we've staked a mining claim, four of us, and all of a sudden different expectations and ideas and who is this person and what's going on and they're going to invite what to the claim and da 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 Let's just get together and have pizza at Roundtable and we will have an honest Roundtable discussion. All right. So there you go. Robert. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's just kind of – yeah, it's just kind of a putting out some fires so we get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, bad business can really uh, destroy a good friendship. And so mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's just something you got to deal with. You know, with people, you got to, what's your expectations? Why didn't you express it? Okay, let's get it out of the table. So I'm trying to set up good business so we have good friendships in uh Anyway, that's just I, it was rather consuming for quite some time on the phone tonight, and, and obviously, obviously, people, this is just a little bit of a taste because there's a lot of weirdness going on already. When people discover gold, 
did you know, like, in Nevada, there's a town in Nevada that was a murder every week. And, uh, oh, my gosh. All, yeah, there's all sorts of stories about gold and thieves and murderers. Uh, people, it, it, it's the strangest. People get weird. I mean, the only more weird thing than this is, uh, I guess, politicians and trying to understand them. <laughs> Which is harder, Robert, as, as a man? Man-to-man talk here, just, you know, 30 seconds. Which is harder to understand sometimes, a woman or politicians? Oh, man. This, uh, you know what? For me, because I've been studying politics since I was 10, I'd have, well, I've been studying women since I was 10 as well, maybe if not younger. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, wow, it's kind of tough. I'd still have to say women. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I don't know. Some politicians, but uh, I don't know. Well, it's still tough for me to answer that. <laughs> well, you know, for the first many months when I was on this planet, I think I understood pretty, uh, pretty well women. Uh, very well, women, and I thought they were absolutely wonderful. In fact, I was a man trapped in a. You want to hear body. something funny, real quick? You want to okay, hear something funny, real quick? Well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was a man in, in a woman's body. That's why I understood women so well. Then my mother gave me birth. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, that's pretty cool. Well, no, I was gonna say this is this is funny. When I was a kid, I I mean I I it's different now. I'm saying that kind of tongue in cheek, but when I was a kid, I guess I had such a a, a reverence for women for girls. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I've learned now. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I it was so bad. I used to think that they didn't go to the bathroom when I was a young young kid. I don't know why, but I didn't think girls went. Maybe because they didn't have something I did. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, to that. So, I mean, you're on to the you know the program. We do have about five minutes, folks. Uh, so, if you don't, if you're not called in, then join us on uh, the extended period. It will be lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, if you don't call in within the next five minutes, unfortunately, you'll lose the audio. Uh, but you know, you will be available to the podcast later, and uh, you won't be able to chime in either if you, if you like. But give us a call three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. So, you know, we, I'm sure you've heard, you know, at least some of the madness uh, going on, uh, Kelly. And, I mean, if you, if you want to continue with what you're talking about and then bring uh, your, your thoughts in, what we, you know, our two segments so far, uh, how much have you been able to pay attention to that, if any, because you said you've been hurting cats as well. Uh, so we'll spend the last uh, six minutes on that. Well, well it's real simple. Uh, they keep trying to uh, dethrone I don't even want to say that. That's not even right because the president is not king in our country due to the Constitution. They keep trying to reverse an election with uh, Trump. Yeah, the American people spoke. Hello, get over it. We did endure that with Obama. And anyway, uh, they keep they keep they keep doing this. They keep uh, trying to reverse an election, and all of a sudden, uh, oh wait a minute, Trump's tax returns made him shine. Oh goodness. But there's still false accusations, all sorts of blah, 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 blah. This is mind-blowing. And um, let's see. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, you, you know how I mentioned on this phone? I, I, I got to tell you about um, a Fox News correspondent. This is oh, absolutely stunning. But um, um, 
Lou Dobbs. Oh, my gosh, I really like Lou Dobbs. I was just so excited last night hearing him. He's calling for Ryan's uh, removal as Speaker of the House. You remember how I told you it's going to be a tough two years for Trump until you get a new wave of congressmen mm-hmm. in there so he can get stuff done? It, they released a videotape of Paul Ryan in a conference call with other um, neocons, deep state, and how <coughs> excuse me, how they were basically Ryan says, I'm not going to support Trump. I will not campaign for him. I don't like him. Blah 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 blah. This is back in like right. late November. And and Ryan made this. Stupid like buds. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, you know, babyface Nelson. Uh, Ryan made the, the, the terrible mistake. Uh, by the way, the gangster babyface Nelson. Yeah, okay, Paul Ryan. All right, so babyface <laughs> Nelson made the mistake of calling Fox News and appearing and doing a clip, and then Lou Dobbs went to commercial, came back. Here's a clip of Ryan. Oh, I never said that. Of course, I campaigned for him. He's like, dude, the evidence presented from Lou Dobbs that you weren't watching all of a sudden, you just lied. And then, and then they right. brought in, um, you know, Lou Dobbs just hammered. I think his name is Collins. Collins from New York, his uh, congressman from New York. Uh, Lou Dobbs was just hammering him. I mean, just toasting him. And I'm like, whoa! It was quite polite, but quite a little bit rough. And uh, you know, this is United States Senate, uh, congressman from New York. And then, and then uh, okay, commercial, commercial controversy. Ryan said his thesis made him look like an idiot in context. And then also, and, and then, and then they brought on the former advisor for Newt Gingrich, who advised Newt while he was the Speaker of the House. Brilliant man. I can't remember his name. Brilliant points. He said, "Look, every time the Speaker or the leader of the Senate tries to conglomerate power." Every time they get removed, and often the other party wins that House of Congress. And he cited example this and this and this and this and Harry Reid, you know, Pelosi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going way back. So every time that they're trying to be totalitarian as Speaker of the House, they get removed. And Paul Ryan, either A, he has got to change his tune, his attitude, or he's going to be done as Speaker of the House. Well. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, so this battle, again, two years, 2018, congressmen, good congressmen and senators, then Trump can get fulfilling his agenda and maybe he won't be so crucified um, when people see, hey, all of a sudden America works again. What a, what a concept. It's, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I'm just mind blown, you know. I, I, they, they keep they keep trying they keep trying. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. We talked about his tax returns in 2005. That was freaking 12 years ago. It's like a therapist said about my ex-wife who divorced me in 2005. Get over it. Not me. Her. Get over it. She's like, freaking, really? You know, like 12 years ago. <laughs> anyway, I, I just I, I can't believe how deep I do. But seriously? Seriously, you got to keep digging, 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 whatever you can. Right. It's like, you know, how about this term called uh, objectivity? Objectivity, that's right. Oh, no, or do you want to listen to Soros Puppet? Did I mention Soros? Oh, yeah, Soros Puppet. And you got the left and the paid provocateurs in May 1st. We're going to have some serious problems all over the country because of the paid provocateurs and the people who – well, gee, I don't need to reference and find a reference and find the facts. I'm going to go with what people tell me because it's cool to criticize Trump. I, 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 really? Okay, fine. I don't get it. I'm on a rant. Sorry, by the way, Robert, but I'm just like, 
I, I don't get this. I don't get this why bandwagon to make fun to make sure, you know, let's reverse an election and it isn't going to happen. Didn't happen when uh, Clinton was elected the second time, first time. You know, sorry, this is cool. This is fun. It's just like totally criticizing the president. How about looking at things objectively? And by the way, I do that sometimes. And by the way, when I do objectively look at Trump, I have some concerns. Yes, I do. It's called being objective. Right. Anyway, that's enough for my rant. No, you can rant. We got plenty of time because we are now in the extended period. Or what we call lovingly Bard's Logic After Dark, because uh, sometimes we have some interesting fun here. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so what I want to cover uh, th- this last hour, and it's not quite, uh, as you put it sometimes, uh, Kelly, you know, the the Bard's Logic Bible Hour, because, well, we're, we're in the grill and I like that. But, I mean, I, and I, I appreciate you saying but uh, the, re- and the reason I bring that up is, it's you know many people regular listeners here on the show and whoever else wants to chime in on tonight's uh, topic, I do see uh, we still have people uh, in the in the queue, not in the queue, but uh, on the line. Just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. But anyway, is that uh, as you know the regular listeners here, people who know me, uh, know that I send my daughter. I mean, uh, I'm such a hypocrite. But anyway, I sent my daughter to a Catholic school, a private all-girl Catholic school. Uh, well, we found out uh, a couple uh, – was it last – it was the Thursday before last Thursday. So it's been a couple weeks already. Time flies. Uh, and, it, and it's been taking a lot of my, my focus, a lot of my attention, uh, is that they, they decided uh, – here's how it happened. It was a Thursday morning. So, yeah, it was two weeks ago because it was one uh, – the night I worked late. Uh, so it was a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And my daughter had a meeting with, at the school. And as I said, you know, I don't normally do have personal segments on the show, but I'm going to because I think this is affecting, you know, this is, you know I think this uh, is affecting more than, a, you know, this across America. Uh, but anyway, as a little background is that so the Thursday morning, I guess, could you might, and you might hear more about this as, uh, as things ensue. Uh, but anyway, it was a Thursday morning, 10 a.m., uh, they had a meeting uh, at my daughter's school, and no one knew anything about the content of the meeting. Well, shortly afterwards, my daughter texted me telling me that uh, after next year they are closing the school and merging with another school that's a half an hour away from where we live. And so the community didn't know, the students didn't know, the faculty didn't know that this was coming. Now, the people in charge of the school are what's called the Sisters of Mercy, okay? They're in charge of the school. And so they just dropped it on us that, hey, after next year, we're closing the school, and we're going to merge with this other school. So, of course, people were upset, and, you know, they, they made a hotline, which you couldn't get through. They did believe me, call me back and give me a message, but I, I wasn't able to call back. But they did have a series of meetings, and I went to a couple of them. And as you could probably imagine, I was vocal uh, because they two things that really made me irate. One is, is they didn't consult us at all. They didn't consult us at all on any of the decision-making. It was like it came from on high. 
you know what I mean, their decision. Two, and during the meetings, they talk about the financial troubles they've had, and that's the reasoning for the merger, but they never outreached to the community. They never outreached to the community at large. They never reached out to the, the, the student parents, the current parents of students, and they didn't reach out to the alumni. No one knew that the school was in as bad financial situation as they are stating that it is. No communication whatsoever. And so then, then they made this decision. And so we've got a group going, and I'm, you know, where I'm one of the heads of the group, frankly, uh, who are getting people together to save the high school. Uh, they stated that the school needs $4 million, which might sound like a lie, but I've talked, I've already spoken with fundraisers, uh, people who do fundraising for a living, and just did some math, and it's, it's really not. And, and we're also looking at other schools that have separated from the Sisters of Mercy or created their own private public school, not public, but their own uh, private school and then maybe even Catholic school. Uh, so we're, we're looking at folks who've done that. You know, there's a place in Maine that did it. Uh, there's also actually a couple schools that uh, are on their own here and just in our locality, you know, or at least in the city or, or state. And then there's one in Maine. I might have already mentioned Maine, uh, that we're in context. But, you know, of course, the reasoning is, well, the money's not there. Uh, the, uh, you know, yeah, what you're paying tuition, that there's a gap between what you're paying tuition and what the cost really is. Uh, you're not giving up, you know, when they do have their fundraisers and they do have, you know, they don't, uh, they said you haven't given, you know, like on an annual basis enough money uh, to the school, but, as human nature is, and I told him this at one of the meetings, I stated, you know, I said, look, by human nature, people don't act unless there's a crisis. We all know that. I mean, here on the show, that's one of the reasons why they push the global, global climate change. I don't think it's real. You know, I don't think they, I mean, I, I don't know, after some of the weather we've been seeing. But anyway, I really don't, you know, at this point, think it's real. But I think, and I think they know it's not real, too. But I think that they feel that the only way for people to, you know, express concern and, and take action to protect the environment is to make them think there's some kind of crisis that needs to be handled. I think for the people who, I think there's two classes in that. I won't belabor, belabor this point because that's not what we're talking about. Is that, uh, and I think there's two groups in the environment, well, three groups in the environmental movement. One who really want to protect the environment, uh, but they want to do it through uh, conservative measures, kind of like what Newt Gingrich has been trying to do. And then you have uh, the liberals where, too, you know, they're willing to push the uh, the agenda that there's a crisis with global warming and climate change thing of that nature because they actually want people to take action uh, to protect the environment. And then I think there's another group that they just want to do it for the, the redistribution of wealth agenda so, and don't care really about the environment at all. They just want to use it. Uh, in order to uh, you know propagate and propagate their their liberal agenda and their redistribution of wealth agenda. But anyway, that being said, is that and see I don't even know where I got off a tangent. Uh, but you know I try to explain to them that you know people aren't going to give money. They're not going to act unless there's a crisis. And so I think that's you know I mean because right now you know I'm I'm, I'm heading a, and and I know uh, the people who know me on the show because. I'm not even a Christian. I'm actually heading a group of 
uh, a meeting uh, next week to see what we can do to save the school, um, you know, and, and still maintain its, its, you know, its Catholic tradition. Uh, that's very important to a lot of the people that, that go there. Uh, well, and my daughter too, uh, but it's very important there. And I'm, I'm heading up uh, some meetings to see what kind of uh, things we can do. Uh, but what, but why I'm bringing this into the show is two things. One is, you know, you're probably going to hear me uh, talking about it more and more as I'm, I'm putting focus on that. Now, I'm, it's not going to affect the show any. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to be doing the show. Uh, but the reason why I'm bringing it in is, as I said, because you'll hear, hear me referring to it more, and, you know, I'll, there'll be openness on this with my, you know, with the audience. But two is it sounds like this is something that is, across, you know, happening across America with enrollment down. Now, of course, it's kind of a double-edged sword. When enrollment goes down, the uh, the tuition goes up. Well, then it's kind of, you know, a double-edged sword because when the tuition goes up, the enrollment can goes down because there's not as many people who can do it, right? Not as many people uh, who can afford those higher, uh, you know, those, those higher tuition. Uh, and so, I mean, the tuition where my daughter goes, I mean, it's it's as much, if not more, as a community college. I mean, and, you know, I talked to someone today who, you know, she's thinking, uh, you know, she's going to community college and, it's actually more to take my daughter to the the high school than it is for her to take her to go to, to this college. Uh, but they be that as it may, I mean, so it's kind of a you know an Occam's razor, maybe. I don't know if you want to. No, that's not quite it. But you know, it's it's kind of a you know just kind of a, a circle where you know it's just kind of spiral you know spirals down way. And and these are the two topics I want to talk about. Uh, is two, why is it going across America? And is it because of finances or is it because, and maybe Susan, you can do this and you too, Kelly, and anyone else like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, we'll get your, your thoughts. Is that the secularization? <laughs> I can't, you know, this is where uh, I'm, I'm thinking you're going to call it the Bard's Logic Bible Hour, Kelly. Is, is it because of the secularization of America and, and how, you know, there's less and less. I guess you would say religious folk in the country. That's one uh, thing to talk about. And two is that, you know, they're, they're talking about using, you know, these voucher systems, uh, whereas uh, states will give monies to low-income people so that they could go to these private schools. Now, my at first, my initial for that was, oh, man, I'm for it because that's giving money to these public schools, uh, these these private schools, right? These Catholic schools. But the problem with that is, is that two or one, two things. One, in the in the sense of fairness, is that why are people like myself who are busting their butt and then sacrificing, not using the money for other things, and then also working part time jobs to pay for the tuition? Um, you know, so that money that you're making as a part time job dedicated towards the tuition. Why should I work my ass off? And I could say an excellent in bars, logic after dark, and then have the you know money go towards uh, people who aren't working as hard as I am and doing what I am. They're just getting money from the state so their kid can get the same quality, you know, and, and in some way superior education. Well, not so it is superior education to the public school system. And in my opinion, not to sound elitist, it should be. 
because if we're willing to put our, our, our blood, sweat, and tears into it, you know, they, it should be a superior. I mean, that's, you know, that's our economy. That's capitalism. I mean, that, that's, in my opinion, that's human, you know, that's human nature, you know. But, you know, so I got a problem with them bringing that in. So it's, again, a double-edged sword where, you know, yeah, they need the funds, but if you do the voucher systems, and then you have these kids who their parents, in my opinion, really don't care about their education because I feel like if you really care about your, your kid's education and they're in a poor school district, right, not, not only poor by economics, I mean poor that the academics are not there. I think if you're a parent and you care enough about your kid's academics, you'll do what it takes to make sure that they can afford to go in that good school and not, have, and not have to rely or have the government pay for it. And then, you know, you have students who parents in a lot of ways don't care, and they just they come in and they disrupt the class because they, you know, the, the parents aren't disciplined, and so the kids aren't disciplined, and we see that a lot. I know my old grade school de- dealt with that problem where they allowed these vouchers to come in. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of problems because a lot of problem kids were coming into the school and disrupting, you know, disrupting the class and the experience of the other kids. I mean, and I don't think that's, that's fair for the children or the parents who are putting a lot of, as I said earlier, their blood, sweat, and tears into the, you know, get, making sure they, their, their, their kids get a superior education. Uh, I don't think it's fair to them. Uh, now, let's go ahead and, and get your thoughts on that, on all that, Susan. On, on, you know, all, all the stuff that I said, you know, the declining, the reasons for that, the, the vouchers. What's, what's your thoughts on all that? I still don't know if they get all the vouchers except to let them go to uh, the school. They, I guess it just helps them money-wise, but <clears throat> isn't that letting the government have a foothold in the private school system? Which is the last thing you would want, because then they'll try to tell you how. Yeah, to you wouldn't want that either. That's right. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I didn't even consider that part, but yeah. <clears throat> well, no, I don't That's know if they, I don't know if it gives them a foot. Well, I don't know if it gives them a foothold. I, I would definitely would have to investigate it more, uh, to be honest. But I don't know if it gives them as much of a foothold because they're not giving it. They're not giving the money to the school directly. They're they're giving it to the the family, and the family's taking that money. And going to a school of their choice. That's what they call it. They call it ed choice. You know, so you choose the educated place where you want your kid to get an education, uh, especially if you're at your school's in a failing school district academically, you know, according to tests and things of that nature. Okay. I'm just, I just know that they'll, they try to get a foothold in anything they can, the government. So you got to be very careful. That's when the state takes money from the, the federal government, they have to answer to them too. And I, giving them vouchers, can they just spend it on anything they want, or does it just have to go to the school and make sure it goes to school? Well, I get. I mean, well, what it is is let you know they'll get. Let's say for to what I've read, is basically is that they would give uh, they give this the family. Uh, like six, seven thousand dollars, right? A voucher, a six thousand dollar voucher. Okay, and what they do is they give it to the they give it to the school. Okay, and then, well, and then let's say let's say the tuition is eleven thousand dollars. The parents don't have to pay the, the the gap there. So basically, here's what I got here from the 
education.ohio.gov website about EdChoice scholarship. They call it a scholarship. It's like, well, if it's a scholarship, and, and one of the questions, and no one answered it so far, but it says, uh, you know, I said, well, if it's a scholarship, do they have to earn it? Do they have to write an essay? Do they have to take a test? Do they have to pass some kind of program? These are the things I don't know, and I want to learn more about it. Because you can't, in my opinion, you can't call it a scholarship if you're just giving the money, giving the money to the kid without, you know, maybe an economic, uh, an academic record or anything. It says, just a, and this is on their website. It says here the the Educational Choice Scholarship Ed Choice Program provides students from underperforming public schools the opportunity to attend participating private schools. Uh, the program also provides low-income students who are entering kindergarten through fourth grade the same opportunity. The program provides up to 60,000 Ed Choice scholarships to eligible students. Now, what do they mean by eligible? Well, here's what it says, Ed Choice fact sheet. So let's see what that says. And that will give us some answers. Um, let's see if it t- says not, uh, what it says. Um, it says, who is eligible? There we go. Who is eligible to apply for Ed Choice? Okay. One. Students currently attending a designated public school in the resident district. Students attending a public school in the resident district who will be assigned to one of the designated public schools for the upcoming school year. Students currently attending a charter slash community school assigned homeschool as a designated public school building. Students eligible to enter kindergarten for fall 2017, blah, blah, blah. Students enrolling uh, in Ohio school for the first time, it would be okay. It says, What is the value of the scholarship? And the Ed Choice scholarship amount is currently $4,650 for grades K through 8 and 6000 for grades 6 through 12. Ed Choice will pay either the scholarship amount or the private school's actual tuition amount, whichever is less. So in my case, they would, and I'm not telling you how much my daughter's tuition is, but in my case, the $6,000, uh, they would pay the $6,000 because that's less than what the tuition is. Okay, the, my daughter's tuition is more than $6,000, but I won't say exactly what it is. Um, it says, will parents, guardians have to pay any amount of money? The scholarship amount covers tuition only, but still. Uh, parents, guardians may, still may have to pay registration fees, material fees, Another similar type of fees. Okay, so they have to sell fees. Um, it says, however, if the private school tuition is higher than the Ed Choice scholarship amount, and if the family does not qualify for low-income status, the family may have to pay the di- the family may have to pay the difference. Okay, but still, man, that's a six thousand dollars scholarship. So the family may have to pay the difference, but it sounds like if you're making less than let's say thirty thousand dollars a year then it sounds like they're they're not going to, but let's see what, um, let's see. Yeah, let's see, don't give that. It says, uh, our family's required to have their income verified. But yeah, yes, which is good. Um, but, yeah, so it sounds like if you, if you make under a certain amount and it's not saying here how much you have to, oh, yeah, here it goes. Listen to this. Oh, wow. Students who do not uh, meet, okay, do not meet. So, Students who do not meet any preceding eligibility criteria may be eligible for the Ed Choice Expansion Scholarship if they meet the following criteria. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the last one. Family household income is at or below 
200% of the federal privacy guidelines. So 200%, I don't know what the federal uh, poverty line is. Um, and I know that's based off how many people, uh, you know, poverty line, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know what that is. So let's see. If you Well, let's say, for instance, if you have four people in your family, a household with four people, right, that's $24,300. So if you made, if you got four people in your family, let's say three people, let's say it's uh, two, two people and a kid. If you made if you if you made forty uh, under forty thousand three hundred and twenty dollars for that household of three people, your tuition's paid. Up. It sounds like your uh, tuition is paid for. If you make forty thousand dollars, forty thousand three hundred twenty dollars, then it sounds like you got a you, know, you got a shot at your uh, of your full tuition being paid for. So because I would make more than that, and I'm not saying how much. Well, obviously I do because I'd be on you know. But the thing is, is I'm not saying how much more, if even much more. But, you know, but for the people who don't, because I work my ass, this is the thing that makes me mad. Because I work my ass off, and I work a full-time job, and then in the summer work a part-time job to pay for my daughter's tuition, okay, then, you know, but I don't, you know, but, but someone who's, you know, who's not doing that, you know, gets his free money. It's, I'm sorry, it just drives me crazy. It just drives me absolutely crazy. And we do got uh, – you go ahead, Susan. I'm going to do some uh, call, uh, calls to get a name here. Uh, area Coach 404, I'll be with you in a moment. But you get, go ahead and share your thoughts on that, Susan. On the voucher? Um, I, I, well, you talked about several things. I'm not against them. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand it totally. So I'm not really totally qualified to. I know that gal that Trump picked is wanting to do vouchers, <clears throat> and I know that people, from what you say, will obviously not get the money because you hand you hand money to a family, they might not use it for the right thing. But who is paying for these vouchers? Is it the taxpayer? Yeah. It's a federal, it's a government program. Which we fund all government programs, yeah. Yeah, it's a a government program. It's a state-funded, it's it's state-funded scholarships. It says the EdChoice Scholarship Program provides 60,000 state-funded scholarships to students who attend low-performing public school buildings. The scholarship must be used to attend private schools that meet requirements for program participation. Uh, Well. So so not only, that's the thing. So my tax dollars are paying for my kid, you know, I'm paying out of my pocket for my kid to go to school, and then my taxes through property taxes are being paid for the public, just the public school system in general, and then my pot, my taxes are going out for a program such as this. Now, my thought is, is if I'm taking my kids to a private school, guess what? I don't get a tax break. Do I get a tax cut? Do I get any type of deduction? No, I don't. Drives me nuts. 
It drives me nuts. Let's go ahead. We got Nas on the line, and we're going to bring it back to you. We got Kelly. You're going to stay on the line as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Nas. Get uh, your thoughts, and then bring it over to you, uh, Kelly with you uh, with your thoughts. Go ahead, Nas. Let's go get yeah, him on the show. <laughs> I think me taking so much joy in your anger kind of makes me a bad person, but. I'm, you I'm are laughing a bad right person, now, Nosh. but I, you are a bad <laughs> but I understand your sentiment. <laughs> now, 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 look, here's here's the issue, though. Like I'm you can't kidding, have it both. Ahead. No, indeed, you, you can't have it both ways. This is a conservative policy, a dream that they've had for years, talking about school choice and using a voucher system to uh, get people out of public schools whose parents don't want them there or feel like there's better opportunities elsewhere. So this is a conservative program. They've been working on this for years, and this is the first time that they can really expand it across the nation. So at the rollout, I'm hearing a conservative man talk about just how unfair the whole idea of this system is. So at a certain extent, I'm laughing, but then let's let's get to the reality of, of what we're talking about. Are we a united nation or are we a nation state of many different blocks and groups? Uh, I would say the latter right now, because when you think about what this does is it gives opportunities and school choice to children who wouldn't have it. And that way you get a better society because some children who wouldn't have had access to a good education now have access to one. The money that they're talking about moving, that's the money that would have been spent on them in a public school. So the voucher is essentially them pulling that person out of the classroom and taking that federal funding that would have went with them in public school, they're putting that into the private school. So the private school uh, has more money, more students, and probably can upgrade their facilities too. So there's a winning aspect to it for private schooling when you talk about the the funding that will come in because now they'll be eligible for more federal funds. Uh, they'll probably have bigger alumni, bigger schools, you know, the whole yada, yada, yada. But the the problem becomes this, though. Let me ask you this, sir. When your kid goes to college and your kids, uh, you know, Pell Grants and everything else, besides the money that you pay, the subsidies that your child gets when they go to college, what if the elites in your state decide they don't want working class people around their kids? What if they say, I don't want those kids here. I'm paying full well, bill. I don't want them yeah. here. You see what I mean? You see how this argument goes? Either we are one or we are not. Well, my my point has always been is that for the people who send, you know, for the people who send their kids to, you know, who, who, who pay out of their pocket, there, here's always been my contention. For people like myself who pay the money out of their pocket, you know, to to pay for their kids for their private education, and then you're also paying for a better uh, education, probably, you're paying for your child to have an advantage, right? That, like I get that, I get that, it. That's right, and I'm working my ass off to do it. Okay, and you know, uh, instead of golf, I can't I can't say instead of golfing, I don't golf unless I want people to laugh at me. But anyway, you know, but I mean, I'd rather, let's say I'd rather on a Friday night play a video game than be out, you know, working at a baseball game or something of that nature. Uh, so, you know, I work extra so that I can afford, you know, to the sender to, you know, X amount of dollar private school. You know, I, I you know, I, I, ha- I get myself into what I do is, is stressful. There's a lot of stress in my, you know, in what I do for a job, but I choose to stay in that stressful job, you know, which probably isn't good for my health. Uh, but anyway, because I know that it makes more money doing it, 
and I make that possible sacrifice because I know that money, you know, that hard work and stress is so that I can afford to, you know, again, send her to, uh, you know, a private school. The thing that, that bothers me, Naj, and when, well, let me get to my contention first. My contention is, is, you know, I should, you know, I and those like me who do that, I think we should get some kind of tax credit, tax, you know, it breaks, you know, some kind of something with our taxes, you know, a deduction, something uh, that we can use the tuition. Because if you, if you pay student loans for, you know, college, you can, you can deduct that from your taxes. Okay, and, and so I think that something like that, you know, should exist for people who pay their out of their pocket to pay for, you know, pu- to pay for private school. And to, so what I'm what I'm saying is, here's the problem I have. Other than you know, we don't get any t- kind of you know tax breaks or tax credit or anything of that, that nature. Is that what I see is is frankly, and, and I'm not you know if I sound the latest, I can't apologize for it because this is how I feel. Is that and believe me, I'm not rich by any stretch of imagination. I just pay, you know, without with just a regular job. But my point is, is how is it fair to the people who basically do what I'm doing by working, you know, a full-time job, working a part-time job, making sure that, you know, I've got an, an education and also getting my having myself in a job that's got, you know, stress to it, doing it because I know it, those type of jobs make more money, okay, and then I work more to, so let's say, make bonuses or get raises or things of that nature, and then you have, uh, you know, Joe Smith down the street, you know, who, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't take on stressful positions, doesn't work, you know, one and a half jobs, you know, so that, you know, well, Molly, well, host, 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 right, host, argue, host, argue against a steel man, not a straw man. Make the poor person a, a working poor person with two jobs but can't get by. Don't make it the typical raggedy poor person, because if you use that as for an example, I mean, hell, who wouldn't agree with you? You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you see a steel worker? Did you see a steel worker? No, no. I said use it, make a, create a steel man to knock down, not a straw man to knock down. Okay. Okay. Give the other well, side okay. something. So, you, you, you tell me what occupation that, that, that we could consider a, st- a steel man. Well, just a regular working class person that's working forty hours a week and has a part time job making thirty five grand or forty grand a year. You know, those, those are regular folks. They would get help. Okay, what, what, what job? What what job are you doing making thirty thousand dollars a year? Because I've had jobs making thirty thousand dollars a year, twenty six thousand dollars a year, and you know, and, and higher. Okay, I, I've I've had. I mean, you know, I've I paid my way through. I paid my own way through high school. I, I worked at mm-hmm. my grade school. I worked. I worked. I did janitorial, janitorial, janitorial jobs and in, in cutting grass, you know, and, and things of that nature at my grade school. And all the money I made uh, there went over to my high school to pay for my high school tuition. Because when I was 15 years old, my dad had a stroke and he couldn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And my dad, we went from seven kids. So I know what it's like to not have money. Seven kids. They wanted to try to put all of us through Catholic school. Okay, my dad. I said I was 15, and my dad had a stroke. My mom did. My mom was a stay-at-home mom to take to take care of the kids, and basically, you know, for until I was 18. Well, as I said, I mean, I, you know, I here in high school. In high school, I worked during the week to pay for my high school tuition, and then during the 
the weekends I worked at, at Burger King to make money so I can have pocket money. Right, that's I, right. My, I, I my, understand my, you. You were a hard, you were a hardworking American, like the majority of Americans. That, see, that's that's the contention I disagree with. Like this idea that people aren't hardworking. But let, let, can I can I just make a point real quick? Because this is this is this is where the the problem lies. Like I disagree with you guys on private schools. I don't think private schools are a good idea. That's my own little thing. But what you're saying, well, why the don't majority you think of people, are a good idea. Well, well let, let's work to that in a minute. Let me let me lay this point out though, because okay. I think this point is important. Sure. There's going to be millions of people who feel the same way that you do. If they feel like they're doing busting their butt and doing all this extra to get their kid into a good school, and then they come in with this voucher program and other people don't have to pay for it, they're going to feel like they should get a tax break or something else like that. So you guys should rally the Republican base, put pressure on Betsy DeVos, uh, the education uh, secretary, and, and say, look, we need something out of this too because this feels like we're paying the freight for it. So I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I don't think your opinion on this is going to be some kind of – lone wolf opinion. I think a lot of people are going to come to that conclusion when they see this voucher program roll out. Well, it, and I would, I would agree with that. And as I said, if I, if I got some kind of, you know, tax break, I wouldn't feel, you know, it's like, well, basically used in, in a way. And, and, and fair, you know, and they talk about, I mean, the Democrats, they talk about fairness all the time. Well, and then, you know, but let me get back to your point. Why are you really bringing think, the Democrats up? This is a Republican plan. This is a Republican policy. They've been wanting school well, choice no, I agree. for the no, last I agree. No, I agree with you. No, I agree. No, I agree. <laughs> it has been, and I don't. And frankly, it's a, it's almost like an entitlement. So I don't understand why they're even you know, they're even for that. Well, because here's the thing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm not a Republican. You know, I'm more. You know, I'm a libertarian slash you know conservative. And you know, some things I guess people would consider that. You know, like I I agree with uh, legalizing marijuana. I know there's a lot of people who would say, Oh my gosh, that's uh, a, you know, a liberal thing. I'm also for legalizing prostitution. You know, dr- you know, some drugs. You know, I mean, those would be considered liberal stances. So I'm kind of a across the board on a few things. But anyway, is that you know, but the the people if, if you're working, you know, you said that the real middle class. I mean, I'm I'm a middle class guy, and I and I you know I pay for my kid to go to a private school. I just you know, as I said, you know, what what kind of jobs are out there? You know where you can't sacrifice or you can't afford. If you're a middle class person, why can't you afford a, a private school? I, I'm a middle well, class person. Well, yeah, but you're, you're asking I'm, I'm the wrong not, question. I'm certainly not you're, upper you're class. You're asking the wrong question. The middle class is declining and very small. The majority of Americans are working poor, working poor class, 40 hours a week, uh, barely above the poverty line, just getting by, trying to raise their kids best they can. That's the majority of Americans right now. That's why you saw that that rural base come out, and uh, when they said we're going to protect Obama's legacy, and they said what legacy? What did we gain during his period in office? We're sick of him. We're sick of Hillary. We're sick of all of you. We'll vote that guy in. So that's why we saw that in America, because right now working poor is the majority of the population, and that's a problem. Well, yeah, well, I'm just going off here in Ohio. <clears throat> they have four. They have uh, if you have four kids. Fortnite kids, poor people in your in your household. Well, well, okay. I, I'll give you the poverty line if you want it. The poverty line is if a single person it's eleven thousand dollars, and every person you add is four thousand dollars more. So every time you add another, yeah, person, around that, yeah, four yeah, grand. it's around that. You're right. Yeah, that's so the four, data. Four for person family is if someone, 
Right. And so four uh, four people in there, it's 24300 But I mean, And if any single person I mean, out there who has lived on $24,000 a year, that is amazing to me that any family of four could ever pull that off. But okay. <laughs> Well, right, but that, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're making my face. So that, that's like saying you have two adults. But let's let's say, and I know there's a lot out there that don't that they're not two adults. But let's say you have two adults, okay? And they're they're in, they're. That would say that their income combined is twenty four. So let's just use the numbers uh, twenty four thousand three hundred. That means, and let's just say the man and the woman, and let's just use those terms. A man and a woman are you know both make equal. They both make the same amount. That means each one of them makes twelve thousand, twelve thousand one hundred fifty dollars a year. Now, what's for you got one person working at Walmart and you got one person working part time? That's what that would mean. Yeah, but most of America's not working at Walmart. Eh, uh, salaries are commiserate. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're talking that eight to ten dollars an hour. Uh, section. This this is what I mean, man. This this is look, man. They can give you all the jobs numbers they want to, but when you start going into detail and say, okay, what kind of jobs? How much do these jobs pay? That's when you start really getting uh, skeptical about that employment rate we have right now. Well, the, well at least of of 2013, and maybe we could get you know, you know, yeah. four, you know, four years ago it wasn't that long ago. But the median. I, I'm sorry for taking us in the weeds on this because you had a, your topic. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We don't, that's part of the fun of the show. Uh, <laughs> is, um, no, but the median. But, but, but when you say that most of America is under the median income, the median household income in America is like between fifty-one thousand seven hundred, fifty-one thousand, uh, you know, but what does median mean? Median means there's 50% above and 50% below. It's a lot of folks. Right, but, you're, but you said – well, that, there is – I'm not saying there's not a lot of folks, but earlier you stated that, you know, most of uh, America is working poor. Yeah. But I would say I would say there might be a, maybe 20 – you know, I don't know when you even say, say as large as 25%, but let's just say, you know, 25% is working poor. I would say way more. But because then, because then we have to start talking about cost of living in each state. So take the two biggest populated states, New York, California. Uh, I guess you could include Texas as well. Uh, Texas has the oil money, so that's going a little better than most states. But California and New York, some of those people's salaries might say they make you know twenty dollars an hour. But what does that buy you in California? What does that buy you in New York? Well, yeah, that, that don't much. buy you much. In You're similar to the eight twenty-five <laughs> in another state. You see what I mean? We, you know what? That, I'm glad you brought that up because we actually have someone on the line from California. Kelly, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, man, where you been, Kelly? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, I really like uh, hearing from you because every time I'm hearing from you, I'm standing on my toes because you really make me think. All right. So I'm a little, by the way, discouraged that you don't uh, believe in private schools. Um, it's called competition, the best win, all right, laws of attraction. But $20 an hour, okay, you're not $20 an hour. What, what, what's the wage you want to throw out for California? How much dollars per hour? Hmm. Well, I, I just threw 20 out because if you were in, if you're in a, a normal state, 
$20 an hour, if you're a single person, that gets you by. You're doing okay. $20 an hour in New York, California, <laughs> you're kind of on the, well, you know. Probably not so I, much. I totally <laughs> yeah. applaud you in your statement of if we were in a normal state compared to California, little <laughs> little implication. Yeah. Okay. California, the land of fruits and nuts. Okay. So it depends upon the county. We have 58 counties here. Um, I'm on the northern border. Uh, people, if you offer people here in 60 County $20 an hour, you'd have like 500 applications. If you were in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, they'd be like, oh, I'll think about it at $20 an hour. If you're in L.A., forget it. I mean, L.A. is like, I no, you, you want me to be a waitress for $20 an hour? Not a waiter. I, I, yeah, you want, to be a, you want me to be a waiter for $20 an hour? Are you out of your freaking mind? Um, right. So it, it's, it's, you know, that's, again, in any normal state. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it's a very common problem here in California. And I, I wish, I wish someday I could say I'm from California, which means I've escaped. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, Nigel, what part of the country do you live in? I'm in Georgia. Georgia. Uh, I think i I want to visit. I want to visit Georgia. But that's uh, all right. It's all right. Just don't come yeah, now. It's cold right now for some reason. But yeah, go ahead. So how, how are they treating you? Yeah, well, I hope they treat you well. Yeah, it's all right. Like I said, but it's cold right now, so that defeated the purpose of coming down here. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, and, and, and just for for some quick math, twenty yeah, twenty dollars an hour is worth that forty one thousand six hundred dollars a year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. twenty dollars an hour is actually under the median income. Mm-hmm. Still under the median. Mm-hmm. It's still wow. yeah, twenty dollars an hour is still under the uh, the national median, at least right. at least as of two thousand thirteen. Uh huh. See, wow. I, I think now and you're that, getting to my healthy. point, man. Like, there's a lot of economic pain out here, and look, there's a lot of people who can't use vacation days. There are a lot of people who are looking at you know healthcare as not only drastic, but they're looking at next month's grocery bill as a problem. They're looking at the heating bill as a problem. Uh, why did why was it so easy for Trump to rally so many people? Because people have been going to pawn shops and pawning some of their old like th- this whole narrative that the the Democrats tried to spin that the economy is uh, you know a revving engine and everybody's doing good. <laughs> it's just not true. <laughs> it's just not. Hey, by the way, now do you live in a normal state? Uh, well, I wouldn't say so, because Georgia can get a little crazy. I don't know if you we had a governor pray for rain one time a few years back. Hmm. Wow. Hey, Did uh, it work? You know, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, it's only, it did not. It, it, Nosh, it's only, well, and, and you guys know I'm not a religious person, but it, it, it's only crazy when it don't work. If it works, if it works, it's inspired. <laughs> if it doesn't, you're nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, at least have a religious person do it and not a raggedy politician. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, hey, Robert. Oh, there um, you go. You know, all right, Robert. We're talking uh, politicians again, and Mark Twain said, "Politicians and prostitutes." But I repeat myself. Okay, so you you mentioned something about 
do you believe prostitution should be legal? Yeah, I said that. Wow. Does that surprise that's you? A, well, yeah, that, that's a libertarian position, but actually I um, – Well, yeah, I, I told you got some libertarian – look, I, I've got libertarian leanings. i got green, you know, green leanings. I have conservatives. You know, I mean, you know I'm not uh, – you can't really stick much of a, uh, too much of a label on, <laughs> on me. Really. I mean, I would say for the most part, you know, I'm more, I'm more conservative than anything else. But, yeah, I certainly got some libertarian I and mean, maybe even some liberal stances or what people would consider liber- you know, liberal stances. Or libertarian, wow. as you put them. Wow. Well, the uh, I, I, well, I, I think I think they should. Leave. I think they should. Well, like we had the guy in the show. Uh, it's been a long time, but when we had that guy in the show who was uh, promoting polygamy, I think that should be legal too. Yeah, if you want to suffer the pain of multiple spouses. But anyway, uh, okay. So, um, <laughs> all right. So you know, as a libertarian, the answer. You've heard me say this about, I don't know, 100 times on the show. The answer to all these social issues are local control. You know, not federal. State would be a state or local county city issue. The people decide locally, and they call it done. Clause 13 of the Magna Carta, okay, whatever. But, by the way, just just to let you know, since we're in the after hours, um, this prostitution thing, yeah, it wasn't fun for me. Because I fell in love with my female clients, and they kept breaking my heart, so I had to get out of that business. But of course, I'm jesting. But you know, it just—I just—I I couldn't. I, you, know, you fall in love with your clients, and they break your heart. It just, it just, it just wrecks business. So anyway, another story. <laughs> Can't keep selling your body like that, man. <laughs> yeah, it'll bitch up. It'll bitch up after a while. Yeah, well, I think I'm good looking and all that and whatever. I've, Actually, had clients like even though they were married for it with me, I'm like, okay, I'm staying away from you. I just let's keep this business <laughs> anyway. But you know, I just thought I'd throw that out as a joke. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I, I tell y'all though, I, if if he was to make a you know a few Facebook posts tonight, uh, laying his position down with people who put their kids into that school that he had his child in. I think you get a lot of people behind you, and uh, y'all probably would start some type of campaign uh, to get that kind of rectified. But I, I still think this is not a solution. I think all this does if, is if right now you had a little capital, a little funding, and you started a private school, uh, you'd make a lot of money because it appears you're going to be able to pull money from government funding uh, into your school. And before you know it, we're going to see a lot of wealthy uh, private school owners, and I wonder if we're getting the educational outcomes that they promised. Uh, so far in Michigan, that has not happened, and that's where Betsy DeVos made her name. So this is going to be interesting. Well, she wasn't, well, and, and frankly, I mean, I know there's people touting her uh, as, oh, my gosh, I was not happy with her pick. <laughs> I just wasn't, I was, you know, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't. You know, she was. You know, I, I mean, you know, like now at this point, unless I did further research, I couldn't tell you who uh, I would pick. Because I'll be honest, I didn't. But just you know, what I've heard, you know, about her, she. I mean, I'm not. She, she wasn't. Would have been somebody I would have picked. Um, but you know, whatever. It's it's not my call, I guess. But but unfortunately, I see we only got about uh, eight minutes before I have to close. Is it really eight minutes before I have to close things out? It is eight minutes before I have to close things out. 
That's awful. Uh, and so uh, what you guys, as you know, I like uh, to do is I like to uh, give folks uh, at least a couple minutes to make any closing thoughts, uh, you know, on uh, tonight's uh, show and the topics we had this evening. And, of course, first we'll go ahead and, and see if we can bring it back to you, Sam. I was called to Cindy, Susan, uh, so, uh, for your closing comments, and then we'll have it over to you. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this our, this topic tonight more as well since, you know, I'm, I am dealing with uh, – so what we're trying to do real quick, uh, Susan, before I let you in, is, is what my goal is, is, is my goal is to what we're calling, you know, save her school. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look uh, to raising the funds uh, to kind of to buy out, and we're hoping to do this, and we're going to have to, we're going to show them one of the, another goal is to show them it's in their best financial self interest to let us buy them out, uh, and basically do fundraising. Which uh, you know I've talked to a, a number of folks who I mean he does it for a living, uh, as well as know how the di, di, um, diocese or what do they call it um, works here, uh, the diocese how they how they work here uh, in the area. And you know, raise the fund, and then of course, then you have to find the people who can run it. I mean, it's it's an uphill battle, but it's one I'm willing to you know, I'm willing to work with uh, some folks. And we're you know we're gonna have a meeting next week uh, to get a plan of action together on what we're going to do, uh, and also talk to people of our other organizations who who've been successful and who've done it. Uh, now you know I I, I just I just care that's a, an all girl private school. Uh, that's my that's my main focus, and stay and have it stay in the building. Uh, the building has a you know a lot of character to it. Uh, it, it has a, almost like an old college feel uh, to it. it, and it's been you know it's 102 years, so there's you know history and heritage there. Uh, that I mean my my actually my uh, my four sisters uh, they went to uh, the rival area. Uh, high school, and, and I decided to send my daughter to this one instead of the one my my sisters and my family went to. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna fight uh, to keep it, and they want to keep it a Catholic school. So I'm willing uh, to be a part of that fight as well. Um, even though I don't adhere to their dogmas, uh, but it's you know just it, I still want to be, be able to have them them stay there. So anyway, that's uh, so we'll be hearing more about that as as I work towards it. But let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, Cindy. I'm like, dang, I called you Cindy again. I'm so sorry, Susan. And then we'll bring it over to you, Kelly. And then Naj will get uh, the final word. Uh, now, because of my little tirade there, it only it knocked it down to uh, five minutes uh, before I have to close things out. So each person's got about about a minute and a half before I have to do that. So go ahead, Susan. Well, I wish you luck with everything you're going to try to accomplish there. It sounds like your daughter really likes that school, and so I hope it works out. She does. There was she's, one so, she's so happy there. It's unbelievable. I think Nosh, is that how you say his name? He made the comment about normal steak. Mm-hmm. Which steak is normal? Please tell me. <laughs> I want to find <laughs> North Carolina. North Carolina's got to be so. Uh, well, because I mean, in my job, I talk to people literally all around the country. Seriously, I, I talk to people all around the the, Uni- uh, the United States, and the people who are the friendliest. And frankly, it probably doesn't help that I really like the North Carolina female accent. But anyway, um, but the the people from North Carolina, and you, I tell you what, and uh, oh, so I better stop. I don't got enough time. But go ahead, Susan. <laughs> I was just curious. We know California and New York aren't, and 
Idaho has its weird things, even though it's more Republican weird, I say. Uh, I can't think of too many that are normal. Nevada? No. Uh, oh, Lord, he's <laughs> running through it. I'm sorry. I, what does the word normal mean when it comes to a state? <laughs> <laughs> no, great question. North I don't Carolina. have a good answer. I have to think about it for a long time because I said it, but I need time on that one because, yeah, I'm not coming up with anything good right now in my head either. <laughs> I mean, in Texas, a Democratic lawyer wants to find men for masturbation to protect abortion or something like that. I'm not joking. Whoa, did she say the M word? Well, we really are bars logic after dark. I guess we're going to have to turn it over to you now, Kelly. Uh, thank you uh, very much. I'm not shutting you down because you said the M word, but uh, I'm just kidding with you, Susan. But it is, uh, it is uh, 12.52, so I'm going to move it over to Kelly. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelly. Well, Robert, I just got to say this. I wish I was your daughter. You are passionate for her. You wish her. you were my daughter? You love her. <laughs> yes. I mean, here's a here's a dad who just loves his daughter. And you're getting busy, and you obviously, oh my gosh, you love your you love your daughter. Of course, I would have to have a sex change and be like like a teenager. But anyway, that's enough of that. Your passion. <laughs> Please don't be a awesome. teenager. That's rough. <laughs> I don't want to be a teenager again. All right, but anyway, so yeah, I just like compliment to you. Okay, Nosh, I got a fundamental question for you. And by the way, I'd love to get your number to just talk to you because like. I think we just enjoy each other. I just, I just, you really, you play chess. All right. Anyway, it's, I, I love to talk to you off, off air. All right. But I do have a question for you. Is it wrong to pay someone well for quality work or quality craftsmanship? Not at all. Great answer. Great answer. No, not at all. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> well, I, I you know I I enjoy the show. I'm sorry I'm distracted with all sorts of things and blah blah blah. But I just I enjoy I enjoy you guys. I I hope uh, we do it again. Of course we will. But uh, I guess with that, I'll I'll go ahead and yield my time. And and real quick, because uh, I've been wanting to say this uh, to you too. Uh, but make some plans to meet me in Nebraska, August twenty around August. Uh, 21st, uh, 20th to the 24th. Try to make some plans on that. Go ahead, Nosh. That'd be great to see us. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll I'll just say uh, the old political class is not trying to get Trump out of office. They're not going to remove him. He won't be impeached. Uh, This is just a game of career politicians are not going to not call out any mistake made by a businessman coming into their space. Meaning they don't want this to happen again, so any mistake or misstep he makes, they're going to yell, scream, and point at it because they don't want to be replaced as a class. They are middle management, middle managers, and always the bag men. They don't want a situation to where now we just hire CEOs instead of putting them in the spot to be paid by the CEO. So they're protecting their class interests. We shouldn't be surprised. Well said, because I, 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 yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the political class, certainly, and they're definitely a, a class into themselves. Uh, almost like you've got your middle class, your upper class. Uh, well, you got your lower class. You also have your political class, which uh, isn't, as I said, a, a class in and all of its own. Uh, but that's what, folks, yeah, it is uh, about that time for me to close things out. I want to thank everyone for coming to the show. I really 
uh, appreciate uh, your participation and definitely looking forward to whatever we end up talking about next week. Uh, you know, still working on trying to get a, a few of these different guests on. Uh, Kelly, I'm still trying to get a hold of uh, Jim Condit, so I, I still would like uh, to talk to him as well. Uh, so definitely, thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll hear more about it. Uh, you'll hear more about, you know, what's going on uh, with the school things, and you know, just it'll probably help me to, uh, to to try to you know put more things out doing it that way. Um, so you know, appreciate you guys uh, being patient with me. That it is going to be a long uh, a long haul. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of work, and uh, you know, that's going to be a big a big focus of mine. Uh, but I will unfortunately have to end things with that. And so I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music, and you can hear the interview I had uh, with her back in 2012. Uh, You can find that in the podcast, but uh, you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. See you next time, and good night. Right. Mm -hmm.